All my bags are packed, ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I hate to wake you up to say goodbye. But the dawn is breaking, it's early morn. The taxi's waiting, he's blown his horn. Already I'm so lonesome I could die. So kiss me and smile for me. Tell me that you'll wait for me. Hold me like you'll never let me go. Welcome to Best Picture Cast. I'm your host, Kieran B. I completed my goal of watching every Oscar Best Picture winner ever and decided to start a podcast to review each one. Each episode, myself and revolving co-hosts will discuss, assess, and evaluate a different Best Picture winner with the goal to establish a ranking for the entire list. This is not, however, what we're doing here today. No, today we are talking about a winner of our action tournament our sidebar winner, we spoke last week about the grand winner, and that was Terminator 2. We're back with the winner strictly from Instagram. And today, it's a much different movie than than Terminator 2. Uh, it's apocalyptic-ish, I suppose, but it's a different movie indeed, and it is 1998's Armageddon. Same winner, though, and he's Steve B. I'll introduce him in a second here, but I first want to remind you, you can email us at bestpicturepodcast at yahoo.com. Get us on any of your socials, and that's how you vote on these tournaments. That's going to be at Best Picture Cast. You rate and review us. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Letterboxd, on Twitter, all that. We're here waiting to hear from you. Let's start by talking about the people who are going to be joining us on this voyage into space to hopefully uh, try to crack to the core of this movie here. And we're going to start with the winner, the champion, the undisputed Action champion. He's the winner of both tournaments. He is none other than Steve B. Steve, back in consecutive weeks here. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm pumped to be back and talk about a film I've seen uh, so many times. So many times. Yes, um, we'll get a, I'm going to get to that in a sec. I want to talk to next the runners-up in this tournament here on Instagram Island, and they are Brendan B. and Aaron. We'll start with you, Brendan B. Brendan, welcome back. Thanks for having me back. Happy to be the runner-up here. It's yes. rare that that happens. That's right. You did make your first finals here. Yes. So that's a that's a step in the right direction for the franchise. It's like the loser finals, though, right? Well, yeah, so. you know. you know, here, here on Instagram Island, you know, we don't we don't use the <laughs> L word. L's for love. The last time we heard you, Brennan, was, I believe, the life of Emile Zola? Yeah, yeah. Way back when? Yeah, I barely even remember that, so. Yes. <laughs> I think I the That's how much that well. movie stuck with me. <laughs> and Erin uh, B., you're back as well. This is your first full episode. This is my first full episode. That's right. Thanks well, for having me. The people heard from you on our horror draft. Yes. You my, didn't win that's that my one genre. either. That's my real yes. wheelhouse. Yeah, and you had a passenger on board back at that point. Yes, I they did. Now, our, now my little guy's upstairs. Yes, you guys are. Uh, Lachlan B. Are are parents with the newborn, so you're dealing with all of all the all of the uh, the the life avenues that that brings. I'm sure, but we look well rested and ready to go today. 
<laughs> well rested. Yeah, he didn't really. Like he decided that. to not sleep last night, but that's neither here nor there. So but, you just watched Armageddon all night. And, yeah. And I've seen this movie a million times. We watched it specifically, watched it again specifically for this podcast. First time watching it as a parent. So. Oh wow. Okay. There so you go. So that made that, that add some things. Yeah. And then finally, we do have a fifth here today, and he is Artie B. Because why not? Why not? I'm here in support of Action Steve. That's right. That's what we're going to be calling you. <laughs> I'll take it. I like it. Yes. And uh, dude, I'm ready to talk Armageddon. I love it. And we're, we have a true killer B brand here. We have all B's. Aaron B, Brendan B, Artie B, Steve B, and Kieran B. Oh my good B brand. <laughs> yes. I know the killer B brand killer definitely B. scares a bunch of people out there. Are Joe we... B couldn't make it today, but he'll... Oh. he'll uh, I was hoping he, you'd have him as like a surprise guest, like he'd be walking down the stairs. <laughs> you never know. You never know what you get around here. The glass can break at any time. Artie, we're, it's, I'm sure the listener is very happy to hear from you. There was some concern around the uh, the middle of the par- of the uh, parasite episode as uh-huh. to your well being, but you're uh-huh. good here. I, I want everyone to know that I made it. I'm yes. okay. There were rumors of possibly there was like a a bad reaction to a peach or a peach allergy that went real wrong and but you're okay now it you're was good. a bad reaction to 9.1 percent beers <laughs> and patron blanco for the press releases we'll go peach allergy i think but uh yes patron blanco and among, among i think it was others. just that that extra 0.1 percent that got you probably yes hey you know that sounds like a great time to talk about what you're drinking today Artie. and no. what did you uh we'll start right with you just so the people know if they how concerned they have to be as we move along here so our concern level out of 10 should be around a three today <laughs> i have a <laughs> i bought a founders all day variety pack so i have four different kinds of founders all day ipa the strongest one is what i'm drinking right now Okay. And it's only 4.9%. Excellent. And, and I'm uh, drinking the Session Hazy IPA. Okay. From Founders up in Founders. Michigan where, where the freezers roam. Yep. Uh, love it. We have uh, Brendan B. What'd you bring? Along? All right. Wrapped in this uh, nice Keith Hernandez koozie, I've got an Allagash White. Aha. Allagash White. Very popular uh, around here. Allagash is Maine. Set up state. Oh, it's Maine. Maine. It's Maine. Yeah, cool. One of the coolest breweries I've ever been to. There's like a guy oh, wow. who goes to the water, like gets oysters, drives straight to the brewery and just shucks them for you. Oh, cool. Well, I didn't it's like know the you... freshest crap you can get. I didn't know you'd been to Maine. What part of Maine? Uh, yeah, I had a wedding up there. Um, I don't know. The only yeah. thing I know is Bangor from the Mighty Ducks too. Yeah, cool. This is on the um, can. Portland, Maine. Ah, Portland, Maine. Yes. Beautiful oh, yeah. Portland, Maine. Not near Bangor. That's but, a great town. Uh, yeah, good, good stuff. Aaron B., for your first uh, full episode, you're <laughs> cracking it up and oh boy. So I'm going to the dark side with a nine percenter from Montauk's Ocean Series, the Good. Imperial IPA. Yes, uh, Imperial. The Ocean, yes. the Ocean Series. Well, you are starting with Montauk. That is a, a very popular brand here at BPC. And I believe you're the first person to bring the Ocean Series along. I'm, I might out at Target have that wrong. Just for you guys. I love it. We I should really it. play the Imperial March theme whenever someone has <laughs> an Imperial beer. It's like, nah, 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 it's not 9.1%, yes. so I think we'll be all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if we'll be all right or not. A delicious beer, very popular beer. Can't can't keep that in the bar. It flies. So. Erin's earned it. She had a baby. Yes, she did. She did. Thank you. Thank you. So she did and she does. And she does and she did. Steve. What'd you bring along here to celebrate your uh, your victory? I'm drinking Guinness. I'm clearing out my fridge a little bit. Um, also have a side of Costa Rican pineapple. Oh. Um, and if you can see me now, I have a blanket on my legs, <laughs> jorts, uh, rainbow socks, and uh, 
Sandals. Yeah. There you go. This is visual. Steve Shorts lost a little battle with a lawnmower. (laughs) (laughs) I am bringing along here a beer that, well, you know, the connection will have to be made a little later, but I have from the El Segundo Brewery, Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA, a great beer. It's one I've had before. You may have seen him uh, crushing it from the top turnbuckle and spitting it out into the crowd and to his opponents, but... Yeah, that is the uh, Broken Skull IPA, and this is firing it at a six point seven. So, nice. oh, yeah, moderate alarm here. And it's a, and it's a it's a sixteen ounce can. It is. I have four of them, so we'll see how they go. Sixty four ounces. Did I, I um, did I read the WWF bought WCW or WWE or something like that? Uh, uh, about you, twenty years ago. I was going to so. say yeah, nineteen ninety eight when this came out. So I'm catching up. Yes, UCF. Yeah, UFC. So um, Fightful, which I think. Bought UFC is now also bought WWE. Yeah, Vince, okay, Big Vince sold. That's yeah. what I read. Right. So, more wrestling talk to come later. I promise. Don't worry. As we head into the year '98, but first, let's, uh, let's do a little, maybe a little cheers here in the air. Oh, all guys. right. Yeah. Hey. So we're, to our we last, our, to uh, our last night on Earth. <laughs> we have our full NASA team here, ready to go and drill to the core of this movie. Now, I will start with you, Steve B. This is the movie you selected. A second round or a third round selection for you? Um, first round was T2. Armageddon and then Robocop was three, right? Armageddon, Robocop, oh, Man, Man on Fire. Fire. Yeah. yeah. So this was a second round selection. You Do you remember the first time you saw Armageddon? Yeah, I saw it in Glen Cove movie theaters. Two slices of pizza and a medium Coke prior. <laughs> uh, from Sparrow? Uh, on the corner. Sure. No, this oh. corner pizza place I used to go to with my grandfather. And my grandfather refused to sit anywhere else in the movie theater but the front row dead center. Wow. Which is aggressive because... He was 6'4", like 300 pounds. Um, but that's where he wanted to plant himself. And uh, that's where we sat for Armageddon. Awesome. And uh, it was just uh, outrageously insane. Um, front row seats to the end of the world. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I love to know that there's that, that those... That those brave soldiers exist out there. You know what? Yeah. I want front row. You know, uh, we have and we also saw... Regarding Henry in the first row, there anyone ever oh, wow. see that movie with? Uh, I no. have seen regarding Harrison <laughs> Ford. Yeah, I love my egg spicy because one. of that movie. Last week's or, or two weeks ago episode, Parasite that was a front row. It's probably my, one of my only front row experiences that I can remember at least. I saw Gravity front row in oh, in IMAX. Just watching these epic Wait, space in IMAX in three in three D. I was like, woof, woof, yeah, the thing ta- flying at me. Talk about a movie that actually did space accurately. Mostly, yeah. <laughs> For, yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, you can't really swim. Armageddon. You can't really just jetpack around from space station to space station. Why not? Before I get uh, different sides of the earth. Before we find out some of the others, uh, some of the others' first experiences. What, what has been your your kind of like life's experience with Armageddon over the years? Oh, I mean. Always on rerun for whatever reason. People Summer leave it on. TBS. Like that. TBS, I yeah. would say that in Independence Day was just like being shoved down everyone's throat in the 90s. And the mummy. Uh, well, the mummy I, was 2000s. You know, I got to say, I've never seen the mummy. Oh, wow. You're missing out. That was yeah. a theater one. For Didn't me. cross the uh, the desk. Brendan, this yeah. is this is definitely one that you were watching all the time when we were yep. here. Yeah, on TV. Was this one you saw in theaters? I saw in theaters. Saw it in, I was in seventh grade, I believe. And it was uh, on a date in seventh grade, which is, you know. How dare you? Earmuffs, Aaron. Earmuffs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so this is summer. Yeah, this is going to be summer. You're going into seventh grade, and I'm going into ninth grade. Yeah. So you watched half the movie. So, no, this is in seventh grade. No, this is Brendan. Let's be serious. <laughs> we I was sat nervous se- the entire time, but not not about Bruce Willis. <laughs> we, we sat two seats apart. Artie B, theater for you? 
I want to say I might have seen it with you. I, it was like a bunch of... Definitely did not because I did not see it in the theater. Oh, I saw it in theaters with like all my friends. We just mm-hmm. all went to Broadway Mall, got Sparrow and Taco Bell, and then went in and watched it and ate a giant bag of Skittles and <laughs> loved is, it. Is that your go-to movie candy, the Skittles? It was back in the day. Oh. But like now, if I eat like three Skittles, my gums start dropping. It's <laughs> yeah, like, it's, it's like poison. Yeah, it's, so bad. it's literally like poison. And then you look at the ingredients. It's like beetle wax from the, from their shell. Like why? They couldn't find like anything else? Beetle wax? Sponsored by Skittles. Taste the rainbow. Yeah. We have uh, a... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a Sour Patch Kid. Yeah, that was me. That must, be a, that must be a yeah. family a Chocolate snow caps. Ooh. Those not are bad. good. Yeah. I hated not those. Not a big candy at the movie theater person. Oh, no. pop- I'm, I'm not a big sweet tooth. Yeah, I'm a popcorn. Popcorn. Popcorn, for sure. no butter. Oh. Lots of salt, no butter. I don't like getting my hands greasy. That's my move. See, I like the salt and the butter. We'll get it all in there. See, I like butter on popcorn, but not what they do at the movie theater. Not it, that liquid chemical that comes out. Like, I'm not putting that on my... Oh, getting it on my fingers. I, like, I feel like I'm flammable when that's on my hands. Give me those chemicals, baby. Yeah. Ugh. Come on, you went to the I'd rather throw peanut oh, M&M's. Just give me the beetle wax. No, you're a candy <laughs> in the popcorn guy. Peanut M&M's. Wow. Oh, See, I never... Wow. This, this this never would, existed yeah, in my life. No. I like bouncing back and forth. That is absolutely... Absolutely brilliant. Enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Holy as, as shit. As someone with a peanut allergy, no, it's not. Erin, oh. <laughs> your yeah. first time seeing Armageddon. Ugh, I was in, I guess, eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. And theaters? I definitely saw it in theaters. I saw it at the shore. I remember thinking it was like cute at the time. And we will catch up to where my thoughts land now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Have you seen it since then? Before, between then and now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, right. I, so you do, when you when you watch it for this, you were somewhat familiar with it. Yeah. So when I, when we rewatched it last week, and it was purposeful to get a fresh viewing in our mind, but I already had in my mind from the times in between that like. This movie didn't really, uh, it doesn't really do it for me. Wow. Okay. So we're going to have some, a uh, lot of thoughts out there in the middle here. I'll say my first time, and I, I guess I'm the only one in the room who did not see it in theaters. My earliest memory of this one, Brendan, is really from you watching it and just kind of coming in the room with you and, and watching it. Like you, you have it on already. I watch a couple scenes and go, okay, so Brendan's <laughs> watching another space movie. I got to get out of here. Um, it wasn't Stargate or Star Trek or, um, or Armageddon, Armageddon or Star Wars, all the stars. Star Wars or yeah. Armageddon again. Right. And- other than that, probably Steve watching with you and our, our other roommate Spud, you would have it on often, popping in and popping out of that. Yeah, when it's on, it stays on, I guess. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. I watched it for our Argo episode uh, a couple years ago for that because we did our Ben Affleck talk. I wanted to see it beginning to end and, and get the whole deal in with it. So I will we'll go back to that a little later. I felt like giving it a fresh watch was alarmingly easy this time around for this podcast. I don't know why. I thought I'd be watching a movie like I know every scene of the movie. It should have felt super familiar, but it felt okay to watch it like a blank slate. Well, you know, that's a good place to start because one thing that I found about this movie, and I guess this is kind of a, you know, a no-brainer thing, but it it did feel very cinematic to me. Like I kind of felt like I was, while it's a movie, you you do see in pieces a lot. I really felt like I was kind of in the theater watching it you know, and, and that. Well, yeah, when you plug in the old subwoofer. Really, yes, uh, that's right. Whoosh, whoosh. <laughs> you can feel the meteors coming it. at you. Yeah, I, I want to watch it with that. That's awesome. really cool. <laughs> Brendan, how about you guys? We're talking about the rewatch, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, opening scene actually had me a little shaken because I got nervous that I, I won't 
love this movie the same way I did. <laughs> Do you yeah, mean the opening? Eddie Griffin? It's a very old guy. That was Andy Griffith? Eddie, Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin? Andy Griffith is an no, no. southern white man. Kieran, hold on. <laughs> He's talking about the opening scene, yeah, the, opening the scene. guy talking over the world blowing up oh, from the asteroid. Like gotcha. Yeah, okay, like, the, vo- like, the voiceover. The I agree, that voiceover sucks. <laughs> oh, God! <laughs> and, I have... and, I, and the thing is, too, I know it's not in the rest of the movie, so I'm like, what... Dude, is this some extra? It's like, not a editing? comical. It's not a Did comical. Did George Lucas get his hands on this and he like made an, an extra scene? Aaron, same with so, you. So, so that was definitely something that I had zero recall over upon watching it, and then as that starts to expound, then it's just like stereotypical city upon city, and I turn to Brendan and I go. Does this only like end of the world only happens in the major cities in the entire like? <laughs> well, let's save it for the nitpick zone, which we have ridiculous. here at the end, where you can really I, hit it hard. There. I hope you have enough time. Oh, <laughs> Ar- Ar- Artie, you're you're jumping out of your seat here. The nitpick zone is going to be extensive. Yes, we're, we're, um, we're, 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 we're. I didn't have any recall of this opening scene either, and for me, it really worked really oh, well. Oh it, I'm God. telling you, I watched this like it was my first time seeing the movie, and I was like, I'm in. This sets this sets me up, and those and shots of the city that they cut to right away. This is one of the first movies doing that. Now we got to say people Artie, copy it now, so but before this, it's Independence Artie, Day and this, and like what really before so, that? So your theory is that in case you didn't learn that the dinosaurs were killed by asteroids in kindergarten, we just have to like make sure that everyone knows that. I think the thing they're really telling you is that that meteor was sixty kilometers. Uh, I, I'm sorry, uh, 10 kilometers okay, across. So, yeah. Six miles. Six miles yeah. Yeah. That's so, 10 kilometers. Artie, I, I do need to say, because you're the infamous, like, I hate voiceover guy that we have here. I'm going to agree with you here. It worked for me, too. I, oh, I, it, it, I just liked that it was kind of setting a different sort of tone. Totally. Right? Like, and, and it gave you a little scale. Uh, the graphics, I mean, they spent so much money on everything else. Why couldn't they up the graphics a little bit? But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, it I is kinda, 98, I, remember, or whatever I, year it is. I like the information. I could have done with a different voice. He sounded a little comical to me. Yeah, okay. I agree yeah. with that. But I am happy they didn't have like Bruce Willis telling us. I mean, that would have been a little bit. That would this have been is a not bit. a Tom Cruise movie. If it was a Tom Cruise movie, he would have been there. It, it should have been Ed Harris or Morgan Freeman. Kurt Russell. Howard Stern. So we, we got the opening the opening monologue that Brendan hates and I love <laughs> over, over the world ending. We're going to have a lot of these where someone loves it and someone hates it. The one thing about this movie is you either love it or you hate it. They do say um, that it's a, so it's a six mile wide asteroid mm-hmm. and that destroyed the world. The one they're dealing with now is, is, Texas. A, is a Texas. Four, 1100 kilometers. It's like, what, how's that, 1800 miles? Yeah, I mean... The size of Texas is a hell of a lot more than six miles. Yeah. (laughs) We're in it now. So I think it's time we do the deep dive before we get too hot on this thing here. A lot to delve into in 1998. So before we go full on Armageddon, let's take a little stroll back to 1998. And in 1998, as Artie cracks open his beer, the WWF Heavyweight Championship changed hands on March 29th, 1998 at WrestleMania 14 as Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels in front of a sold-out crowd at the TD Garden in Boston. Give me a hell yeah, Steve. Give me a hell yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. I would imagine you were probably watching that one uh, back then. Yeah, my neighbor had uh, the box. <laughs> the oh, he box. had the hug up? The infamous box. Yeah. The uh, unlocked box? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was awesome. My Uncle Billy had the unlocked box. <laughs> it was just a whole new world. 
The uh, first world championship in Stone Cold's illustrious career. Austin would hold the title for 90 days and drop it to the Big Red Machine. Brendan, the Big Red Machine? Who's that? Uh, Boston Red Sox? No, the Kane. Kane Jesus Brendan. Christ, Kane. Kane. <laughs> Devil's favorite team. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, first of all. Sorry. Blanket on your lap. <laughs> I didn't even get the right baseball team. Oh, Lord. This is um, why he's drinking PBR. All right, Aaron, let's try you now. Okay. Allagash White. So, Kane won the title, held it for one night before losing it back to Austin 24 hours later. But he beat Austin in a first blood match. Aaron, what do you think? Do you remember first, the first blood match? Do you remember what that was or, or what it entailed? What the hell are you no, talking No, the first, the first blood match. No, you never remember. No. no. Well, the first blood match was the first one to draw blood would lose, you know, so you'd have to hit your opponent with a chair or... So you did know, we shift a, into the Rambo part of this podcast? Is this first blood? Uh, well, see, now that, yeah, that's, that's right. We're bringing, calling it back to first blood. So, okay. We didn't have a lot of uh, Big Red Machine fans back then. I love the Big Red I'm Machine. I'm a huge yeah. Big Red yeah. face Kane, love him. <laughs> with mask or without the mask? With. With. Always with. So much more sinister with the mask. And then when he took it off, I was like, huh. See, the thing is, I was a I was a WCW fan, so I was more of a Rey Mysterio guy. Yeah, we were going WCW back then. Right? Yeah. It's, that's, we're, we're watching Goldberg take out, uh, take out everyone Ra- left and right. Raven. <laughs> yeah, the yes, 90s yes. was tough because I was a Met fan and a WCW <laughs> fan. Most, most and neither, were... <laughs> neither have aged well. Right, yeah. <laughs> So you know, back then it was really WWF and the Yankees. So. At least the, the at least the Mets still exist. Now we got to say Austin, Steve. We're big uh, we're big Stone Cold Austin supporters uh, around here. Uh, Artie, I would say you're a big Stone Cold supporter. Hell yeah! Now he also starred in his very own movie, the underrated straight to DVD, The Condemned. Has anyone seen The Condemned? Was that really straight to DVD? Yeah, and I believe oh, so. I wonder how to theatrical it might release. You might, you might be right, Artie. Like for a week. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, that was a good movie. Awesome. Yeah. It's, like a, it's a sick idea. Yeah, it. did you ever think uh, Condemned? It's kind of like a playoff yeah. of Battle a Battle Royale or... Um, Remember yeah, the movie Hunger with the, 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 the old not story? Yeah. They invite the rich, the rich people invite people over, hunt them yeah, the in most, the back, the most something dangerous like that. Game. Yeah. yeah, most dangerous game. But this was like a competition, more yeah. or less. and they were yeah. all action stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. It's it's a goodie. It's a goodie. Uh, so I go out and check out the condemned. Maybe I'll have to pick that. In the I think uh, Sphinx from Gone in sixty seconds is in that, <laughs> which was in the action tournament there. The See, Gone in sixty. It was a Chris G. Pick. Another another classic Cage movie. Yes. All right, we're sliding over to hockey. The 1998 Stanley Cup saw the Detroit Red Wings sweep the Washington Capitals in four games to none. It was the 105th year of Lord Stanley's Cup. Uh, are you a big 90s hockey supporter? I am. Remember, yes. Do you remember this? Uh, the, these late 90s Red Wings here? They won. They had won the previous year too. So they won 97. Have they won since? Yeah, they did have a little run there in the in the mid 2000s. Is this uh, Steve Eiserman? Uh, Chris Osgood is the goalie. It is, it is Steve Eiserman. Osgood, the backup. Steve Eiserman was the MVP of the yeah. series. There you go. Very good. They had a really fast left winger. I can't remember his name at yeah, all. Other, other Hall of Famers are Sergei Fedorov. Yeah, him. Yep. Yeah, Nicholas Lindstrom on that team too. Brendan Shanahan. And uh, who was the goalie? Uh, that I, do, I think this one might have been Dominic Koshik. Oh, maybe. really? No, or you might be right with Osgood. I'm not sure. Osgood. I think they, had a, they bounced around a couple times. This was the second Stanley Cup win in a row for Detroit, the ninth in franchise history. For the Capitals, this was the franchise's first appearance in the finals since the team's inception in 1974. Uh, the fourth year in a row, the Stanley Cup finals ended in a sweep. And oddly enough, it has not happened since. 
kind of a, a strange thing. Four in a row, and there has not been a sweep since 1998. It was, uh, did the Rangers sweep? Um, it was it 95, was, 95, 96, 97, 98? Yeah. Hockey's Four weird with that. It ends yeah. the year after it starts. Yeah, this is right? the Stanley Cup, so it's the end year. The yeah. season's the year. Before. World leaders time. I'm keeping it in, in Eastern Asia here because we just did Parasite, so I'm kind of, I got a lot of practice reading some names off in that, and then we have some some Eastern Asian representation in this movie here by the forms of things getting blown up, of course. But uh, we have uh, the president of China in 1998 was Zhang Zemin. The president of South Korea was Kim Dae-jung, or Kim Dae-young, probably. Dae-young, J-U-N-G, Kim Kim Dae-young. It's not Spanish, I think it's Jung. Kim Jung. Like Kim Jong Il has a J. Yeah, it's Kim yeah. Jong, isn't yeah. it? But this Kim, is Day- isn't it Kim, Kim Jong Il's dad? No, this is South Korea. South Korea, yes. Oh. This is a, a D E hyphen J U N G. So oh, Day Jong. Oh, oh. so yeah. We have no idea. We're speculating. Prime Minister of Vietnam <laughs> was Prime Minister of Vietnam was Fan Vam Kai, and the Emperor of Japan was simply Akihito. Much like, like oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. I, just, right? just Akahito. No, no first name there. Just, just it's like Prince or Seal, Madonna, Seal, yeah. Sting. It's country music time. We're gonna guess the meaning of the song based on the title. Aaron, this is your first one of these here. Brendan, I believe this is your first, first specialty one, episode first too. One. Wow. Okay, a, a veteran. So as a as a uh, in a, you know an original season guy, you haven't been on a specialty one yet. No, oh boy. No. Okay, Steve, you're fresh on the uh, the heels of, of Terminator Two last week, so yeah, you're well practiced. I'm all over it. Okay. All right, here. So we have a very specific title, Aaron. So this is where I'm going to tell you the title, and you're going to of the country song of the year, and you're going to tell me what you think the song is about, based on the title. Are you going to okay. tell me the artist too? I will. That will not help you. I okay. promise. Okay. <laughs> so the CMA Song and Record of the Year by Steve Warnier is "Holes in the Floor of Heaven." Holes in the Floor of Heaven. So, Aaron, I'm going to have you uh, go first. going to have you and then Brendan go first here. Holes in the Floor of Heaven by Steve Warnier, co-written by Steve Warnier and Billy Kirsch. Peaked at number two in the country billboards and was number 23 on the year-end charts. So, Aaron, you're going to go first here. What is Holes in the Floor of Heaven about? I'm thinking that it's somebody that went to heaven that shouldn't have, and they're going to drop through a hole in the floor back to hell. Ooh, wow, kind of like Super is that Mario a little bit dark? Is that a little bit on the dark side? But I feel like it sounds more like that than the reverse. Or Down like a Super up. Mario pipe, like boop, boop, yeah. Boop, boop, boop. I mean, you could think it could be looking up, but it makes it sound like if there's a hole on the floor, <laughs> you're going to drop through. Since, Brendan, you're up next. Since we're talking country music, I, I think this song is about riding through the country in, in a truck with your girl and your dog, dog, you know, going going down the countryside and you're looking up at the night sky, at the stars, and it's like you're looking through the holes in the floor. Wow. That was a that was pretty great. good. I like that. It's like Will Ferrell and Ultra. It's like, what happened? I blacked out. <laughs> I thought, you, I thought you were just punting the question there for a second. That was very I mean, po- so did I. Yeah, that's, a, that's wow. pretty good. That was very poetic. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if this Thank was you. about the stars in the sky, but I'm going to go with this guy likes going to a strip club. Oh, boy. And the floor is like cork or something, and there's holes in it. Or it's like a deck. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> It's a, listen, it's a country. Trust me, it's going to be something it's where also like the song of the year. So it was uh, honored at the. Uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Steve, last shot. This is a tough one, Brendan. Uh, I think he knocked that one out of the park. Yeah. But I would say floors. I think Brendan was too holes, poetic. <laughs> holes in That's the floor the of heaven is meaning that um, 
there, there's gaps for people that get in there that maybe shouldn't go there. Okay. Oh, so are we critical Reverse. of who's getting in there? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So no one nailed it here. Quite on the nose here. Okay. So this is essentially a song here. Brendan, I liked your answer there very you. much. And Steve, I, you're kind of close, but you're the wrong direction almost. What about me? Artie, you are in last place. <laughs> Wait, so was I right if I, he was... Okay, so here was, here's what is this about. This, this, doesn't, this doesn't have anything to do with people who don't belong in heaven here. So this is essentially a little eight-year-old boy's grandmother has passed away, and it's his father is explaining to his son oh. um, about uh, his grandma looking down, and when she cries, the rain is from holes uh, in heaven. So here's the lyrics. One, one day... Shy of eight years old, my grandma passed away. I was broken-hearted little boy blowing out that birthday cake. How I cried when the sky let go, when a cold and lonesome rain. Mama smiled and said, don't be sad, child. Grandma's watching you today. Chorus, because there's holes in the floor of heaven, and her tears are pouring down. That's how you know she's watching, wishing she could be here now. And sometimes if you're lonely... Just remember she can see. There's holes in the floor of heaven, and she's watching over you and me. So kind of a nice little song there. And each verse gets, you know, sadder and sadder. I think Aaron's gonna As be you five, read though. it, I feel like I... She almost cried. I feel like I remembered it, though. It's 98, so yeah. you probably might have heard it if you were in that uh, I'm that just world. keep thinking um, Eric Clapton and... Yeah, Tears in Heaven. Another rip-off. No. <laughs> Armageddon. Here we go. Different kind of holes coming out of the sky here in this one. Directed by Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Artie, you're a big Michael Bay enthusiast. I really like him. I think he knows yes. what he's doing. You finally have your hour here. At, oh, at, my... at, thanks to uh, Steve. Hour? Um, <laughs> Three and a half hours? <laughs> the, you know, the, uh, the, the proverbial hour. Yeah. Uh, you have your time on stage here, courtesy of Steve's win and uh, Brendan, a, a beloved childhood movie of yours, too. I love this movie, but as far as Michael Bay is concerned, I'm more in the camp of Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It's all like... Hey, they're not wrong, but he was one of the directors they called in for consideration for that job in <laughs> South Park, true. okay? Yeah, this is true. Okay, directed by Michael Bay, written by Jonathan Hensley, Yoni Gilroy, Shane Salerno, and J.J. Abrams. One of the writers lost. on this one, yeah. Lost. He's a that's, writer in this movie. That's why it's good. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm to understand he finished this movie and they were like, "That was great. Let's do Lost." Well, there's some gap between. Well, I don't know what Lost is. Lost is like a little bit of a gap. He did. So, I think he had to put some more work in. Music by Trevor Rabin. Cinematography by John Schwartzman, who was also nominated for an Oscar for Sea Biscuit. Rabin did Gone in sixty mm. seconds too. Uh, oh, for the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a big Seabiscuit okay. fan. But he uh, was, you know who he, you know Trevor Raymond is, right? No, he's the keyboardist from Yes. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The music of this movie wasn't very good. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you, but not Trevor Raymond's. <laughs> uh, cinematography said John Schwartzman. He photographed Seabiscuit. I know Brennan. That's your big Seabiscuit guy. Film editing by Mark Goldblatt. Big Chris, roundabout fan too. Chris Ibazan. Glenn Scantleberry, a massive cast starring Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck, Billy Bob Thornton, Liv Tyler, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, Owen Wilson, Willem Fichter, Peter Stormar, Keith David, Jason Isaacs, and Michael Clark Duncan, among others. Nominated for four Oscars, the winner of zero. Uh, was nominated for, but did not win Best Sound, Best Sound Effects Editing, Best Visual Effects, Best Original Song, Diane Warren for 
I don't want to miss a thing. There'll be plenty of talk about that in a little bit. No love from the Golden Globes for Armageddon. Second time in a row here. The Globes not in the mix. I think it did really well at the MTV Movie Awards. Uh, it did win matters, one for Best... Kiss? No, the song. Oh. Yeah, the song. It might have won an action sequence one, too. Was very well recognized at the Razzie Awards, yeah, though. And a winner yes. in there, too. Oh, Seven nominations, Bruce. one win. The lone win is Bruce Willis there. Steve's jumping on the, uh, oh. the list. Uh, Bruce Willis, worst actor. What? Bruce Willis. I, that's wrong. He's pretty great. rough. Yeah, pretty he rough. is. He's totally wrong. He's, He's totally like wrong. the best part of that movie. The Razzies don't and really know what they're doing. With, with that, it was Bruce, Adam Sandler, and Waterboy. Ralph uh, Rafe finds in Avengers and Ryan Phillippe in 54. Mm. Bruce. Okay. Yeah, I think also so Ryan, Ryan O'Neill F- in, in that one. Too. <laughs> I mean, Adam Sandler and Waterboy is great. I mean, that's what I yeah. understand. So this is the like, winner is Rafe Fiennes in Avengers. He's, whatever he's, that is. He did not age well. They did not age well. No. Ryan Philippi, I guess, would have been the L there. I don't know. Oh. People are, I don't know. People are popping on Studio Fifty Four and you know hanging out. Is it Michael Myers? Yeah. Dramatic role. Who's rewatching that and talking about that? <laughs> Ryan Philippi and Crash, and there's a few Crash veterans in this one too. But here were the here were the other Razzies. It was, was up for here. Worst director Michael Bay, worst supporting actress Liv Tyler, worst screenplay for Hensley and Abrams, worst screen couple Ben and Liv. And worst original song for I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Why Artie are they putting Diane Warren up for a Razzie? That is to cancel the event. And and Artie is a, a, a long-term critic of, of yeah, I, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing. But yes, Diane Warren does not deserve National that. treasure. Absolutely. Uh, so the, the winners, this is kind of fun. Worst director went to Gus Van Zandt for Psycho. The remake of Psycho with Vince Vaughn. Oh, and Anne Heche. <laughs> and, and Anne Heche. Oh, <laughs> you seen that one, Aaron? Oh my god! It's the worst cast movie ever. Horrible, <laughs> so bad. I can't say I've subjected myself to that one. Uh, worst picture, worst screenplay, both went to a movie I'd never heard of before, an Alan Smithy film, Burn Hollywood Burn. Never heard of it. Yeah, I heard? saw that and didn't even write it down. Supporting actress went to Maria Patillo, who I'm not familiar with, but it was from Godzilla. The Matthew Broderick uh, Godzilla. Oh yeah, that movie's awful. Yeah, great soundtrack though. Yeah, and, yes. and this one is is a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of fun here. That soundtrack had Brain Stew from Green Day with yep. Godzilla roars mixed into it. Yeah, c- come with me. It was like, did it? Did it? It's so ridiculous. I'm having trouble trying to stand it. It was so ridiculous. And then it had the uh, the the cashmere. Uh, oh yeah, come with, come with me. Come, come with me. Yeah. Uh, yep. fuck my enemies. Fuck my foes. <laughs> what a terrible. Fuck all movie. these hoes. Before he was P Diddy, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he was, was probably Puff just Puff Daddy. Daddy. Yeah. Or Puffy. He was hot off of um, Puffy. Hot off of Mo Money Mo problems right. in, that, in that one. I know what you want. Big Actually, big that, song. Back that then. soundtrack was awesome. It was. Uh, the Foo Fighters, Foo Fighters, Jamiroquai was on there too. Whoa, and um, boom, boo Rage boom, Against the Machine, boom. No Shelter. Boom, boom. Yeah, and No Vince Shelter. Fultz 5 was on that too. <laughs> You're right. I mean, we had, we had that one. I skipped that track. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is my favorite one. The worst screen couple for Ben and Liv did not go to Ben and Liv. Do you know who won this one? From the movie uh, Man in the Iron Mask, Leo oh. and himself. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. What is kind of ridiculous? That movie sucks. That movie sucks. The worst, cup, worst on-screen couple goes to the two Leos. Uh, yeah. You know what I was going to guess? Excess Baggage with uh, Lisa Silverstone no. and Benicio Del Toro. Come on now. That was a good movie. I hate that movie. 
Oh, boy. A 6.7 on IMDb for Armageddon. Steve, you're our IMDb rating guy. 6.7 doesn't really fly. Does it check out for you, though? For Armageddon, that hits. It hits. That hits, yeah. It's, It's at a 10, right? Yeah, the it's highest not that good. The highest rated is is I think the Shawshank is nine two. So there's no movie higher than a nine two. So it's kind of like on a one to nine scale. I think guilty pleasures tap out at like seven. I would agree with that. Like yeah, guilty like, pleasure or awesomely bad. How, how I think the Rock mean? might be like a seven one or yeah, something. Yeah. See, that's oh, a travesty yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, The mm. Rock is so good. Yeah. Okay, so it was released in uh, the U.S. on July 1st, 1998, 4th of July weekend. $140 million budget, spared no expense, grossed $201 domestically. I'm sorry, grossed $201 million domestically. 36 opening weekends, $353 million international. So overall, it's a grand total of just under $554 million. Wow, so they made a lot of money on this. A lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> what with inflation? <laughs> half a billion. Half, more than half a billion. Yeah, that would have that made a billion if it was nowadays. Yeah, quite a, quite the winner in the box office. Steve, I'm, I'm going to kick it off to you first here as we get uh, we delve into into this bad boy. You're you're the uh, you're the squad let's captain. Let's start here. from the very beginning. Yeah, let's start where it all began. <laughs> How about this, Eric? You, you this just didn't work for you. It seems you're just they're not are not big on the on the Armageddon train here. So you guys will be really happy to know that I just found the notes in my phone that I forgot that I took when we watched this. <laughs> she was furious, and it literally notes. starts. Immediately, which I think everybody's going to have something to talk about with this initial point is the intro has a scene of the World Trade Center on fire. Yeah, um, that is honestly just that aside, like that specific image aside, the whole shocking that whole scene there is just something. I just don't Your think it's Haven't see. they cut that yeah. out of some other movie recently? Uh, that, home, uh, home, home Alone. Home yeah. Alone. So that's it wasn't on I, fire. It was, but it was just no, they shown. Just, they, yeah. just, they just smudged it out of that. I said to Brendan, I was like, I thought that they that they erased this from yeah. something, but maybe it's on certain uh, like streaming services and not others. But I was really shocked to see it. And I was like, yeah. oh was, my goodness, this pretty is crazy. Eerie. It was, it eerie was pretty scary. jarring, yeah. And yeah. and just that whole scene in itself and like the cab, you know, the, yeah, hanging with Mr. Cooper in the cab, like oh, a, going, oh terrorists, gosh. look, it's just terrorists attacking us again, like smiling like with the terrorists in the back. Very oddly, t- I, this whole scene was bizarre to yeah. me. Like, yeah. And it didn't get better. Yeah. As they went from New York to the other cities around the world, I felt like it just... Michael Bay was just like digging a ditch and digging a ditch. And I was like, oh, my God, what are they going to do next? And then there's like small children in like an alleyway somewhere in China. And I was like, this is. I I do just want to say one thing to kick it off. I will say this. As people hate on it and shit on it, whatever, you could think what you want about it. But what would you do for a film like this today? To go to the theater with a big old popcorn and sit down and watch something like this because Stuff like this isn't being made right. anymore. So I wish I can go watch this in movie theaters today. So I'll yeah. just start with that. I mean, I, there I, is some sh- sh- shitty stuff in here. <laughs> but I just, I just took an arrow to the heart. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's just like how much more BS can be pumped out. It's nice to just not think a little bit and just watch something crazy and a bunch of cowboys in space. 
So I, I, I 100% agree with that. That's what um, I love. But to, to focus on what we were just talking about, the scene of, of kind of like uh, the everyday New Yorkers going going through you know New York and they focus in on the one guy with his dog, I think. Now, Independence Day was great at this. They, they, cho- they chose these like few characters that they'd focus on right before everything was destroyed to kind of give, give human, the human experience into the destruction scene. This just seems so forced on us. It, 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 it was these characters on, on the streets of the city that this guy, I guess, cares about his dog. The dog survived, and then we never see him again. Yeah, th- this section was, first of all, it was very 90s. The whole Eddie Griff- Griffin character was just so 90s. I mean, he was market corrected by Chris Tucker probably like a year later. Oh, yeah. um, but, so, and Mr. Cooper was. <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it just, I agree, Brennan. This, these characters seem very forced, and this whole scene sections this was kind of michael bay like all right we, we just need to have like an action sequence to start this thing the yeah. star of this Very scene michael bay. the star of this scene is the asteroid smashing into everything yeah uh, the the characters talking like this guy is holding his dog and his dog's biting the guy's godzilla thing he's trying to sell and he's like what are you doing to my dog he's like you're this guy's livelihood is selling the stupid <laughs> godzilla blow-up thing and you're getting mad at him wait watch your damn dog do you know how much they paid for that dog no do you know how much? Twenty grand a day. Stop it! Wow, nice. Oh, I gotta get an acting dog. <laughs> <laughs> There's the amount of money wasted, and, and just on a side note about money wasted, they gave Bruce Willis a second trailer, housing a massive gym that was never used. Hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. <laughs> hang oh on, God. hang on. Can I one up you on this right now? Please, please. They bought a brand new set of teeth. Oh, for Ben, for ben yeah. Affleck yeah. for this movie for a whopping twenty one thousand dollars. They bought new teeth for him. Yeah, yeah. bought new teeth. teeth. Whole new set of chompers. He had baby Good teeth for him. I think Let's the Dodgers see. did that for Freddie Freeman yeah. too. Didn't Michael, they? Oh my God, teeth. <laughs> Michael Bay, quote unquote, said that he's a nice looking kid. He looks like he has baby's teeth. Yeah, and he was like, it was Bruckheimer who like. <laughs> Because he did the same for Cruz with with uh, Days of Top Thunder. Gun, no, Top Gun. Oh, yeah, like, Cruz used to have all jacked up teeth. Yeah, which bought bought new new veneers for him. But this movie <laughs> is expensive looking. Like it just looks expensive. Like just like this is this is they're just throwing money at this thing. And know, hey, listen, to, they made it. Apparently, apparently, Liv Tyler turned this movie down like multiple three times. times. So you know what's happening there is they're just adding zeros to yeah. the check until she says funny. yes. It's All like, right, well have your dad come in and sing a bunch of songs, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah, right. right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Your dad can come <laughs> along too. Your dad too. The yeah. question is, at least we know that this was after the fact that she already knew that Steven Tyler was her father, and not actually. She thought initially she thought that Todd Rundgren was her father. Is that around this time frame? I don't know anything about that. Yeah, so I think that she found out around the time that. I believe it was after she did the video for Crazy. Okay, but she's there. You, you know yeah. what's crazy, though, is now Steven Tyler looks like a single mother. Yeah, <laughs> she looks like your crazy Aunt Janice that lives in the woods and, like, makes kombucha. Let's just go to Liv Tyler, then, in this. I think she's fantastic in this. Stunning. Gorgeous. I like pretty much everything about this movie. We're gonna have, you're not gonna get much negativity from me over here. I think she's great too. Her the whole intro on the oil rig with her. Like that I quit awesome. and then she just turns around and starts working. 
right after she tells Harry she quits, she starts working for, to the clients. I love all that. Love that so, whole every the, the great character development. The whole oil rig scene, talking about her period. Buscemi's like, he's like, he showed me how to use my the tampon. I didn't and he's show. Like, oh, me. hey, Harry, oh, I, I told her I didn't show her. Uh, yeah, so this movie was desperate for for a woman, a strong woman character. I think she fills it great. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you know, we're a bunch of dudes. And Aaron talking about uh, Armageddon. That's kind of like Armageddon. It's just a bunch of dudes and, yeah. and a girl. <laughs> I mean, it's totally fine. But I was going to just jump back onto the Steve fucking Buscemi. Because as soon as he came on the screen, I was like, I forgot he was in this. Yeah, I mean, I, he's one of my favorite parts. Me too. I mean, he, was, uh, he was duped. He, um, yeah, I saw this. He was promised. You want to take it? Well, Basically, he took the role because he wanted to get away from stereotypical. The yeah, the yeah. seedy kind of shady. He'd done Fargo. Yeah. He had done, um, I think, Con Air. He's like a just like a like a child killer and 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 worse. This, so he took this role. I'm like, oh, I get to be a hero and save the world. That's great. They're like, oh, well, we got to see Buscemi. Let's write a bunch of shady lines in for him. He's like, well, God damn it! They pitched it to <laughs> yeah. him as him being like a hero geologist, and then like. When he goes in, they said, oh, we made some alterations to your character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now you're a sleazeball. Now you go insane on yeah. that. I swear, I didn't know how old she was. But, yeah. I, needed, but I needed more of him. Like, yes. was, yeah. it was, those lines were so kind of clearly ham-fisted. They cut a lot of them, too. too. Yeah, I mean. There's a few lines like that. Oh, if that, if that's what you call the wrong stuff. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is the problem with the movie. For me, and and I think it, there is, there was a rushed nature to this thing. Like I don't think they had the full amount of time to flesh this thing out. But there is a lot of like, oh, we have to do this. Let's do this, and we have to do that. We need scenes of doing this and do this. There's a lot of like stuff stuck to the wall. The Steve Buscemi thing is an example. The love story. Someone brought mentioned that before. It's like there wasn't going to be a love story. We have to play into the Titanic of it all and get the. There was a, there's a point where like the score. Mm. Sounds weirdly like Titanic when and, yeah. when like, they're laying under the yeah. tree, right? And yeah, it's just like there, there's the, it's like know, a flute, like a woodwind this, this almost, like the beginning. Yeah, yeah right? it's the beginning. How about like, when on. they're hanging out in like the exhaust pipe of like a spaceship in like a hangar? Yeah, that's it was the moment. so botched. I was so, like, this looks so easily put in after the it, fact. Like, not a care. Okay, cool. We'll just throw this in. And she. She could have been this very strong female character. They didn't have to weave through this this crazy love story. Yeah. However, I think she does save it. She saves it a bit with the emotionality, and this it could have been laughably bad. And I get emotional watching the movie still. I get emotional every time. It's because of her, and it's because of Bruce Willis. It's because of her and Bruce Willis. The whole thing is that it's not. It's not the love story. It's the relationship between a daughter and her father. Yep, That's definitely. really what it is. Totally. Totally. And yeah, it could have done without the relationship. Yeah. Like, I mean, very on. again, of its time, it's the, it's the Titanic we got to pay into. But I do think that the love story itself could have been laughably bad. Aaron, it looks like you, seems like you think it was laughably 100%, bad. hundred percent, I think it was laughably bad. Yeah, do, do laughably you, bad. Steve, you agree? Okay. Yeah, I guess maybe I'm just very attracted to Liv Tyler. So, so, I mean, <laughs> okay. so am I. Now, see, I'm not, and but, I was fine with the love yeah, story. But going and added, yeah. Uh, the father daughter thing, like Aaron said, totally believable, emotional, awesome. But it, 
sitting in that aircraft carrier like come on it was so so you're not yeah. allowed near space shuttles like that can't just go into the fucking engine and lay <laughs> not there the, not the i know zone it's not that, the nitpick yeah, zone but that's a standout uh yeah i mean listen we're talking about the animal crackers and the, the, there's, uh, some the animal crackers. there's some bad dialogue there's some bad dialogue i mean yeah i mean it was it was a youthful love relationship and i think for bruce willis's character it was laughable laughably bleh uh, it, about ben Affleck? it was laughably bad too, yeah. But the whole point is that at the end, Bruce Willis is saying, you know, I gotta go. Like, you, you know, you're not gonna have me anymore. So it's gonna be AJ is gonna be the. He saves it. Bruce saves it. Yeah, and Bruce Willis always saves it. She also, to to me, her end of the love story worked. She made the character work to me. Well, she, where she, where her, well, her counterpart, not so much. She she played the role of the daughter so well the strong daughter who who's taken on the strength of her father because that's the biggest thing he's passed on to he, he, in his opinion he says you know he might not have been the best father but she gave or he gave to her uh, those qualities that, yeah. that she's now carrying on yeah bruce let's talk bruce now i love bruce willis and <laughs> i love all the stuff he's done since the 90s and I mean since me growing up in the 90s watching all of his 80s flicks and you know Pulp Fiction and and I, and I mentioned this to Kieran off the mic he's got something that not a lot of actors have Clint Eastwood's got it and probably Leo and Brad Pitt and these top tier guys more so Bruce and Clint to me in, in their own special world where their facial expressions tell words mm-hmm. and Bruce has got that damn smirk, and then when he looks and act like you could just him and Clint Eastwood have that thing where they could just kind of tell a lot of words without saying anything. He, he's a, Bruce Willis is a franchise changing entity. You know, he comes in and you know it, it's like when a it's like when a shitty basketball team is just they've just sucked for a decade, and all of a sudden they have Chris Paul now, mm. and now Chris Paul rolls in. And they're like, oh. We get to go to the playoffs now. No. Oh wow, great! This I didn't know this was a thing. I didn't, yeah. Like, and Bruce Willis comes in. He's just like, "I'm here. I'm in the yeah. center of this movie. Let's but go!" Came, and we're in the wheelhouse of Bruce here in the nineties. He, he, yeah, he came in late. He came in late. And did he? Um, he was he was late to the he project. He came in late to the project. And Disney basically Disney absorbed. He wanted to absorb a project he was doing. I forget the name of the movie. And Disney said, "We'll absorb that project if you star in Armageddon and two more features for us." And the two more features were Sixth Sense and Unbreakable. It was the great. I bet you the movie he wanted was Mercury Rising, which was like the worst. It wasn't that was going to be him and the little kid with uh, Mercury Rising with uh, autism uh, who solves the code. Oh, okay. Uh, I was thinking a way worse one. Yeah, you're thinking not North, but that's bad too. But that's Rob Reiner. Yeah, no, there's another one with him and like a little uh, blonde kid. Disney's the kid. Disney's the kid. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, This is now. This is like the decline. And then afterwards, he said he would never work with Michael Bay again. After this movie, Armageddon. Yeah. 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 Wow. (laughs) So we got to work with M Night Shyamalan. Artie, Artie Michael Bay. What? uh, Give us some some of the things that you like the most about him. Because I'm not a Michael Bay guy. I like this one. I like The Rock. Yeah. When you so I'm going to give him the credit for this. the The style of camera that he chooses to implement really works really well for action movies. It's dynamic. You're always moving through stuff. There's constant movement. Every time a scene ends, someone's moving. When a scene starts, a car's stopping or, you know, a guy's rolling on a, an office chair across. The, there's constant movement and action. Uh, you're never on a scene for too long. Everything's v- colorful and vibrant. You get these big, you know, city landscapes and then you get, 
you know, eight guys walking and it should be cheesy, but it's kind of cool. It's, you know, it works when he, when he plans it and his use of slow-mo is, is it's good. It's not, it's not as bad as it should be. Brennan, Brennan, so, Michael Bay oh style. My God, so if I can just jump on top of that. So that style actually worked great for the nineties for, for TV syndication. So, I mean, it's perfect for TBS. You throw that on, you throw a million commercials in the middle of it, but any moment, if you turn that, that movie on and you jump into it, it grabs you. Mm-hmm. And and it, and so now it's got the hook. Now you're watching the rest of the movie. I mean, it's literally, that's what Kieran described me doing as a kid. Is I yeah. always be watching Armageddon and then he would jump into it. Yep. Yeah. So that style of work, you don't have live television now. I don't know if it would quite deliver the same longevity that it, it had back then. Yeah, good point. Aaron, uh, um, Michael Bay style for you. I'm crawling out of my skin right now. Um, essentially everything that Michael Bay does to me is like an extended long trailer where everything's like, how can we do the most over the top thing possible? Let's have all of the explosions, all of the fires, all of the quick shots and scenes. It's like when you're, when you're going through Netflix or something and then you stop on something just to like read the dialogue of like what the, read the description and then the trailer starts playing. You're like, well, I just saw the entire movie. And that's basically how Michael Bay movies. Well, are. at least with him, it is the entire movie. It literally <laughs> no, is the entire movie. I think what Artie... That's what, what, what's his name says. Ebert. Yeah, yeah, Ebert, Ebert. What do you call it? A, a hundred... 150-minute trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I have um, a note about how great the pacing so is. <laughs> like, no, you know what? Cut, it, it, a... The average cut was a second and a half. Ooh. Wow. That's what I'm telling you, the style of camera, okay, so but it doesn't I, feel I, that way. It's very chaotic when you're watching it, but like... I'm not a cut guy. To, to, to Artie's point is, I think that his point is, within the genre, that approach can be very successful. I think he succeeds at it, now, yes. I, I gotta say, like, I don't care for his style, personally. I like The Rock. I like this. That kind of is where it ends for me. It kind of feels like I'm watching a Go Army commercial the, the whole time I'm watching one of his movies. This goes back to the other comment that I was trying to make when you said it's cool watching eight guys walk in slow-mo, but how many times can you rip off another movie? Like Top Gun, slow-mo, high fives. That's the same producer, Jerry Bruckheimer. Bruckheimer puts that in all his movies. Okay, but but what, what happened was because of Top Gun, Top Gun got a lot of ability to use certain facilities and materials because it was so patriotic. Mm hmm. Armageddon realized that really and tried good to do for the same thing. Um, so they threw in a lot of American flags, and because of that, they were able to use the old Apollo uh, place where Nev Tyler, uh, Lev Tyler, and um, and Ben Affleck are laying down. Yeah. You're not really allowed to access that area. They they allowed them to do that because they threw a bunch of American flags. He did some guerrilla filming too, like distracted cops and took shots of things and sure. stuff on there. So, like, but I like I like that stuff. Though. I that, like that too. You're going out of your way to get images and shots for you. like that's. I mean, Rocky's all about that. Like, there's so many parts of Rocky that just yeah. they got extra things to try to beef up the movie a little bit. So that, that's cool. My point though is is with his style, which I don't really care for. There's something about this movie. That really works for me. And I think that the, with his style, and I think that the comparison is if you watch a movie like Deep Impact, which really uh-huh. doesn't work. And I, because so, I, I don't know, slow. this is kind of a very cheesy idea. It's a cheesy approach. We've seen it fail many times. Day After Tomorrow, which is one of the most unwatchable movies you could, you could be a part of, because they're leaning on the wrong things. He was leaning on the right things. Let's not make this a discussion as to whether the, 
the meteor is actually coming and hitting us or not. Let's make that discussion about how we should do it. We have no options. This is our only one. It's not a great idea. Let's make it about the people going to do it. And I, I, that, that's the part of it that works for me. Let's make, it, let's make it fun for the audience. Yeah, you know? th- and, right, right. You know, one other thing is like, I get it's, it's been done a lot, but The Rock and this are two of his like first big movies. He's kind of starting this. He gets old. Michael Bay's yeah. style eventually gets old. But this yeah. is kind of where it starts, and yeah. it works. Yeah. It's, a good point. it's a good point because in a lot of ways, this this falls into the class of monster movies without a monster. Right. I mean, you have an asteroid coming, but it's a very unanimated asteroid, and they go on to make some silly The screaming noises? Oh. They make some silly comments later on like... Godzilla screaming. Uh, suggesting <laughs> that the asteroid is alive or... Uh, Wait, what? Th- there's there's points where uh, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like there's a storm on the asteroid. Everything's getting thrown around. Oh, yeah. And they go, what's going on? Like, they know we're trying to kill it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, well, that... Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's uh, ridiculous. The, the, listen, the first 45 minutes of this movie... Totally worked for me, you know. I, uh, other than the things I lied on the very beginning, yeah. which did not work for like the New York City scenes. Did not work. Meanwhile, that's about ninety about, seconds. That New York yeah, City I'm thing. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Billy Bob figuring out we got a problem. Yeah. To getting these guys ready to go to space. That stuff totally works for me. The second half of the movie, we'll talk about. I have some issues there, but I'm. I'm. Already said the oil rig. Oil love the oil great. rig. Yeah. Love the. They're two. The best scene in the whole movie. It's, it's amazing. 100%. It's amazing. The, the setup's cool. I think it was an actual oil rig. You, they like, develop like 13 characters in a matter of a minute. Yeah. Like really develop them. Yeah. Steve, yeah. Steve I know. It's amazing. Bruce Willis is like, wait a minute. You've never apologized to me this quick. What's going <laughs> <Yeah>. on here? <laughs> Steve, uh, Steve, I know you're huge on practical effects and no green screen, no CGI. This is an actual oil rig, yeah. an actual setup here. This is yeah. where you want to see a movie being filmed. Yeah, it's a, it was a $200 million oil uh, rig. And they, they talked him into using it by telling them the movie was about drillers that saved the world. And that's how they were able to, to I mean, film on there, which it was. Didn't lie. <laughs> uh, but it was awesome. And I loved that it was real. What kind of egomaniacs are these guys that run the oil rigs that are like, oh, well, we saved the world? Well, yeah, go probably, ahead. Probably, probably, under, pre, probably underappreciated blue-collar <laughs> yeah, workers. No, yeah, that, no and sure. But like people, a $200 million. You know, the phrase that... that people use to refer to them as roughnecks. I mean, (laughs) well, do you think people take kindly to drilling? (laughs) I question. It's funny. So there's such a huge pull for the use of all the equipment from NASA. I wonder how much this gave an uptick to people joining into like oil rig right. yeah. drilling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but let's also separate the oil companies from the people who have to actually drill. Oh, you yes. Know? And, no. and, you 100%. know, there's... We, we can, saw the clients. We can sit and have, right, we can sit and have a... Have a, a our podcast well, about the evils of drilling, but let's you know like, we're talking about like the the blue collar workers who are actually in there in the in the, well, the midst of it. Well, you know there Someone's is there is it. a cool match that they do there because you know typically with especially with the early astronauts you get the idea that there are a bunch of these like aeronautic cowboys mm. um, and they in many ways portray the the oil drillers in the same way is that they're just these kind of wild. I mean Steve Buscemi, you have he's like I have a degree in this this and this why do I do this because uh, the hours are flexible, and I get, get to, to use see the explosives. World. And, and, yeah. and I get to play with the right. scenery's great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cedar is great, yeah. and I get to use explosives. Right, right. Um, um, so there's two movie tropes or, or elements that get me every time. Doesn't matter what the movie is. Doesn't matter how they do it. They're going to get me every time. And this movie has them. Oddly enough, I think the Mighty Ducks series has them both too. One is when you give me a montage of assembling 
a team and you run uh, through their characteristics. Sign what, me the um, fuck every top for that. And every time. Oh yeah, this is uh this is Bobby's the best skater in Texas. There's only one problem. He can't stop. Can't you know, like <laughs> yeah. says, give me every give me all of that. Michael Clark Duncan, let's go. Oh, Owen Wilson on a horse, like what the Monta. Rally him up. Give me each one. Gets me every time. The other one is is when the entire cast sings a, a, a popular song. John in Denver every song. time. In every time. <laughs> almost again. famous. Almost famous with Elton John singing the, the yeah, Tiny yeah, Dancer. Yeah. Mighty Duck singing uh, um, We Are the Champions it's, by the Campfire. I mean, it's like, every time. Too, it's it's, like, it's like the only part of... Um, Top, Gun. Top Gun. Yeah, good one, Aaron. Top Gun. Top Maverick. Gun. Scream yeah. 2. Do you know what uh, they're saying? Oh, you know oh the re- it's the only part I like of the replacements. <laughs> this is what the replacements? Uh, how about um? What's the other foot? Remember, remember the Titans? Well, also, uh, uh, Chuck and Larry. Chuck and Larry. Yeah. I think The Office does one with Ving the, Fl- R- the Flintstones theme. <laughs> Ving Rhames has one. Chuck and Larry. Do you know what they sang on the uh, plane in Conair? Uh, oh, ah, Sweet uh, Home Alabama. Right. And what happened to the band? Oh, they died. Yeah, he's like, you know the definition of irony? Singing a song made famous by a band that died in a plane crash. What happened to John Denver? Steve Buscemi in a Jerry Bruckheimer movie, by the way. What happened to John Denver? Yeah, John Denver. Oh, yeah. Yeah, same same day of mission. Yeah. Oh, they played John Denver? Oh. Yeah, leave it on a jet plane. Denver oh. That was before Armageddon. That was before he died. Uh, that was before he died. I don't. I don't think it was yeah. right around the same time. I, I'm. Wow. I think he's. Oh, Hold on. I'll, I got let's it. Do. Let's scramble here. Scramble check. October ninety seven. So the year before. Yeah, right. Yeah. Was the movie yeah. filmed? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, they you could edit it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love John Denver, by the that way. Got, that yeah. got dubbed in with the love story. Yeah. 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 Their mouths well, are singing a different well, song, and they didn't play John Denver. Yeah, it was a part of the love story. I mean, Ben Affleck sings it. Too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, so, the, so then uh, it was on the later end of it. Song, yeah. uh, what's the song uh, in Beetlejuice? He just I've passed, never seen oh, Beetlejuice. He just passed away. Um, he just passed away. Get on the boat. Me want to go home. Passed away. Just yesterday. Who? The the singer of the song. Mr. Taliban telling me banana. <laughs> Such a great song. Uh, so yeah, so the, the those two parts. I mean, the whole assembly of the squad, getting them to the different places, and yeah. also them going home to their families for the one night. Yeah. Him, Bruce Willis uh, is walking off and saying, "Hey, you know, well, if you don't like it, see you later. You're the, I'm the only one. I have all the demands of the world. Uh, it, that, it is. It is. Oh, it, that the one with the wife and the kid. Uh, Will Patton. That's that should have sucked. It should have sucked. Yeah, well, it didn't suck. And that it was... should have sucked at the end, too. And it should have sucked when she's like, that's your daddy. All of it makes me cry. Yeah, no, it was oh. really good. There's nothing I could do about no, it. That was, that was like one of the most emotionally tight moments of the entire movie. Totally. The Patton scene. It was great. He's just but a salesman. Wasn't it, wasn't He's a salesman. A Mommy, the salesman's though? on TV. Didn't you guys find this as like a huge callback to like Top Gun and Goose and Goose's son that now in Maverick they bring back. Jerry Bruckheimer is very formulaic. So what you're saying Goose is we're a... going to get an Armageddon 2 Maverick style. But Goose was... Uh, a, a, a Goose was a... Pr- back. Armageddon and Maverick? Gonna be, it's going to be Liv Tyler and Ben Affleck's kid. Artie's and they really want to be an astronaut and no one's going to let him be an astronaut. Let's, Tom Cruise will. I do need to specify, Aaron, I do need to specify, Goose was not a deadbeat dad in Top Gun. No, he was but a no, present no, no, father. No. Yeah, her and Meg Ryan were very, a very healthy relationship. I don't necessarily think that he was a deadbeat dad. Will I, you know, that was, was the only... He was. The kid didn't even know no, he was so they show. Who's that? Oh, it's a salesman. Like, a, mom <laughs> can, a mom can tell the kid whatever she wants to. It seems yeah, like because... you were angry when we watched that, you're like, he 
she told him he was a salesman? That was that it, was messed up. It seems like because he is not able to be around because of his job, rather right. than say, hey, your yeah. dad's never around. All right. I'd rather not introduce the idea of yeah. him having a father who doesn't want to be around him. But then in the middle of seeing him on TV, go, that's your father. Like, right. yeah. it okay, still but worked for me. Bruce Willis also said the guy lived at the craps tables in Vegas. Yeah, that's so why that's, he lost uh, money. Yeah, right. Yeah. And Goose and Meg Ryan, that's a family unit. It's a com- two completely yes. different uh-huh. scenarios. Right? That's the healthiest yeah. relationship yeah. Meg Ryan's ever had. Goose. <laughs> <laughs> You've got mail. <laughs> yeah, come on. You I mean in real life. <laughs> Steve, give, give me some Billy Bob love. Oh, How did Billy Bob, for this. How did Billy Bob work for you? I thought he worked really well. And I was surprised to, to read that he said he did it for the money and really was like going to be comical with it. But then he was surprised at the outcome of it and he thought it was much better than he expected. And I thought Billy Bob was so good. In fact, I also read that it was supposed to be really centered around about him. about him and Stamper. But because of the fucking Titanic and Jack and Rose, when they added all this, Ben Affleck was supposed to be like an extra. And then he was propelled into this role with Liv Tyler. So I needed more. I needed more of three things, four things, five, a lot of things. Keep them going. Listen, Stamper. I needed more Stamper. I needed more Truman. I needed more uh, Buscemi. I needed more uh, Bear. And I, and Owen Wilson getting yeah, killed off like Owen that. Wilson. Come on. Can yeah. I throw one into that? Yeah. He was like my favorite character. Liv. One of my no. One of my <laughs> one of my favorite characters in this movie is when they're sitting at the table and they're trying to decide on a plan to to nuke the the meteor asteroid and this guy starts talking and they're like well who are you the president's advisor said blah 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 he's like he's pretty much the smartest man on the planet i would listen to him yes i just love things like that this guy is just like introduced as pretty much the smartest <laughs> yeah. man alive jason and he Isaacs goes he goes the, pre- the president advisors are wrong i'm right and better than that better than that he goes yeah well uh, i was in class with them and they got a c minus in uh, astrophysics in astrophysics so uh, so you might not want to do you want to trust him <laughs> keith david who we've talked about on uh, platoon mm. and we talked about him crash and here we are we talked about him in roadhouse and here we are again keith david is the is the very salty military guy at the table Who's uh, just who doesn't really want to hear it? He's not having a good day, and um, <laughs> just the t- you need to have the token one, the one advisor who's just the dissenting one in the crew. Pull a plug, pull it, pull the kill plug. them all. Yeah. Oh yeah, just just throw every nuke we got at it, right? Yes. That guy. I wouldn't give these gentlemen a potato a potato gun. No, well <laughs> he says the R word. Say, say gentlemen, but. <laughs> Wait, that's one no. of the best lines, and it just doesn't age anymore. No, you know we're not allowed to have lines like that. I was so happy to see that he was in Nope. Just that he's still around, kicking. You know, he's good. Is he the Candyman? No, uh, no, no. The Candyman is uh, is also in Platoon, but uh, no. Um, His worst role is in Requiem for a Dream. Oh, the Maid Marion, right? No, that's uh, not good. The Franks and Beans at the house. Uh, oh, yeah. How'd you get the bank? <laughs> How'd you get the beans about the Frank? <laughs> so good. So, and, and when the camera pans to the house. Dude, it's, it's too much. What that meant. There's something about, Mary. about Mary. When he zips what? himself up, it's his. It's Cameron Diaz's dad. <laughs> How'd you get the beans about the Frank? <laughs> oh, okay. It's just such uh, a good line. It's so oh, good. man. <laughs> Jason Isaacs is the smart scientist there and that. He's in uh, Event Horizon. He was recently in Mass. He was one of the four uh, four principals in Mass. Peter Stromar, who's the quiet guy from, from from Fargo, the crazy Russian. 
Oh, I love uh, him. We haven't gotten up to him point yet, oh, but he's, he's in the Russian space. Station. Yeah, the Russian space. He's, he's in the, every. He's in every Michael Bay movie. He's, he's, the, qu- he's the quiet guy in in Fargo, the quiet killer in Fargo. It's Buscemi and him and Buscemi, oh. and uh, and he's the guy who gets eaten by the little dinosaurs in the Lost World. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> That's yeah. a shitty way to go, man. It's like, oh, I get to get eaten by a dinosaur. Awesome. Is it the T Rex? Is it is it one of the Raptors? Those really fast, smart ones. It goes. No, you get to get him on them little bitch ones. <laughs> it's gonna be like forty of them, and they're gonna they're gonna nip they're gonna you to death. It's a little bitchosaurus rex. <laughs> it's gonna they're gonna nip at you until you're all gone. I, I remember when that scene came out, and it was as if the I forget what it was called, but the, the dinosaur that kills Newman, as if yeah, that the Lothosaur. Is, as One if that favorites. thing wasn't small and and annoying enough, they had to create these little yeah. rat, <laughs> these little rat dinosaurs. Uh, the, the They're like meerkats. The Lophosaurus is like six foot. He's also in Bad Boys too. Uh, okay. Yep, yep. The Dilophosaurus, yeah. right? What? Yes, the Dilophosaurus. <laughs> oh, I, that was the deleted scene that I would have actually liked <laughs> in that shitty movie. Uh, <laughs> that movie is not shitty. Uh, somewhere, Adam Adam Hitchcock from Circuitverse is pumping his fist that you said that already because he loves that's his favorite action movie. It's up there. Yeah. Undrafted. Uh, James I, James too, by the way. What I love James about this guy's movie. characters is the um, this immediate friendship that Ben Affleck develops with him. Like <laughs> like he saves Ben Ben Affleck's life from the Russian space station. Then they're in the uh, the crawler. You know, trying to find the rest of the crew. Like they're just they're just immediately buddies. And I love how he's drunk the whole time. <laughs> he's drunk the whole time. He's slurring. Yeah. He, he, before he leaves, he has to grab his vodka. Right. Like he is drunk the whole time. That character, they introduce him drunk. He yeah. does all that shit drunk. And that's my scene of the movie, him and Ben Affleck on the Russian space station interacting with each other. That whole camaraderie when he's down there. Yeah. He's like, you got to pull the lever. Like fucking screaming. I love all that. I have the lever here. I'm holding the lever. Can I, I just, while we're here, I have to throw this out. Keith David is, on, is not our only Roadhouse veteran. We have another Roadhouse veteran here in this one. He is the guy who gets his throat ripped out. Uh, who you know has the famous line? Uh, He's in this. I used to have. I used to have sex with guys no, like you. In I prison. used to fuck guys like you in prison. <laughs> there it is, Artie. Um, yes, Marshall. One. Marshall Teague. Marshall Teague. Wow. He is the other. He's like the hard ass looking space guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's just he's piloting the other ship. He's uh, the yeah. He's the the uh, the the guy who Swayze fights and rips his throat out. That's in, amazing. In Roadhouse. So you know what I was saying? The cast I have, is endless. I have a teaser for uh, The Rock being the same universe as Armageddon. Oh, okay. Here well, we go. What is this? Yeah. So Stanley Anderson plays the president of the United States in both movies. Poorly. Go on. Okay. <laughs> Anthony Guadera. Or, or maybe well, actually. I don't know. Anthony Guadera plays an unnamed lead F-18 pilot in The Rock. And then he plays the shuttle co-pilot in Armageddon which is a natural career progression from F-18 pilot to astronaut. Also, Dwight Hicks plays the role of FBI agent and star in The Rock, and he plays FBI agent number one in Armageddon. So there's like four actors that are in both of these movies in basically the same roles. So my question is, is why did we not get Sean Connery and Nick Cage to go up to the astronaut too? Well, you know what? I love me a silver fox Sean Connery. They probably got to retire after the rock ordeal a year earlier. They don't have to go into space now. 
you got to use every resource you got. Sean Connery, he Sean wants to live his just, life. Just had to break out of, show them how to break out of prison. Come on. He wants to go hang out with Jade Angelou or whatever her name is. <laughs> <laughs> I got to, I want to shout out as while we're rolling through the cast. One of the most generic actors that you'll see. But uh, Chris Ellis, who was a, uh, a, a, he was basically the guy operating the, the boards there, I get, I get this, this, this gentleman. You get, we all seen him in, in oh, yeah. million, oh, yeah. million yeah. movies. Your boyfriend's it's, back. Yeah. <laughs> he's not he, from True Blood, right? That's he's in a million different probably. things, and and I do have to say, he's a reoccurring That's character. Andy in True Blood, right? He's a reoccurring character on Burn Notice. I know you're bring up Burn right Notice. Right yes. It's Virgil on Burn Notice. <sighs> um, okay, it, let's talk Aerosmith. I think we we can we we can put it off as long as we do it right now. So Artie, you and I did the Argo episode. We went through. Ben Affleck's entire filmography. Armageddon was a big part of that, mm-hmm, yes. Mm-hmm. And I came at you like an asteroid about your take that you've had over the years about I don't want to miss a thing. We're going to play that little clip right now just so the people at home can can check that out and, and hear that uh, so you know where we both stood on it. And uh, we'll just see. It's now been two years later. This was this was season two, episode one. So a ways back here. This is uh, we just did episode fifty-seven. So that would have been episode sixteen. So it's been a bit. So uh, let's hear where we were at then, and we'll just kind of kick this around with the room with where we're at now. I want to talk about Armageddon here for a second. Okay. It's just a conversation I've been wanting to have with you already for years. Come at me, bro. We're gonna we're gonna do this. Now. Okay. Uh, Coming at you like an asteroid. You I mean, have. Long been known as an anti-Aerosmith guy. Yep. And your outspoken nature toward the song, I Don't Want to Miss a Thing, mm-hmm. has been boisterous, hostile, and I think erroneous. Do you mind if I give my quick take so the audience... I, I would like this, and about? I'm ready for you, so let's All right, go. so real quick. For a legendary rock band to have their best-selling song ever be a pop song written by another person is lame. That's not rock and roll. Okay. That's lame. Okay. And this is obviously a take that you've had for years that yeah. I, that I want to respond to here. I will say I'm not crazy about Aerosmith either. Okay. And and you're you're I, whether you like the band you don't like the band is one thing. But the the whole idea that not only is this not an epic song mm-hmm. that is implanted in all of our minds and I like it still song. blasts at bars that people sing along with today. Okay, it wasn't written by Aerosmith. You know who it was written by? Diane Warren, who's been nominated for 11 Oscars. All right, so here's my point with the Aerosmith thing. Okay, they didn't write the song. Okay, you have a movie here in Armageddon, which is, at the time, the highest grossing movie, or one of the highest grossing movies that come out. You have this Aerosmith-themed nature to it. You have his daughter in the movie. You have one of the best songwriters in cinema history write a song, and we're going to put our... Aerosmith into this movie as a character in the movie, the fact that that would be some kind of black mark on them as rock and roll artists, to me, is completely and utterly absurd. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to go after Don't Want to Miss a Thing, because I feel like that happens all the time with someone who writes a song and, and gets re-recorded by a popular artist. I'm not going to get it. But what, um, I don't like that Aerosmith is all over the movie. Yeah, okay, I mean, this, but that's... I, I know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the point you're making. I'm just throwing my two cents in. That song that when they're at the strip club... I want to throw myself in front of a train right here, but that's... Well, yeah, you, that's don't, the, that's, you don't care for Aerosmith. That's, that's, that's near the period there. There is... Aerosmith was part of our culture in the 90s, part of, and, and it was the, kind of the later part of their career. They have different it was, it was, aspects it was, it was, to their It was their second win, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of us remember those 
those Alicia Silverstone videos in the early 90s, mm -hmm. and then obviously Liv Tyler going on, and, and her presence in this movie, Aerosmith's presence in this movie, and the fact that this song has lived on to today, where if it's coming on a random jukebox at a random bar, there's some college girl screaming along to it. And this movie came out over 20 years ago. Yeah. And, and the song did too. I, I just, I, the fact that it's not a, a great song... And the fact that the fact they didn't write it is a part of that. I don't get. I just don't understand. You're, you're, those are two points that are not <clears throat> mutually exclusive. The song's good. For it, for Aerosmith to have their best song be a song written by someone else their is biggest, lame as a rocks as a rock band, right? So their biggest commercial hit, not the best song, is subjective. Fine, their only commercial hit in air quotes after this is like jaded. So there's nothing. It's I the end. Of Sweet emotion isn't a commercial hit. No, no, no. Dream after on. this, oh, after oh, 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 this, this is the end of their career. This that's is the culmination. So the last incredible. Career. So the last song in their career is their biggest blockbuster song, and they didn't write it. Is not super rock and roll like Led Zeppelin. That's like Led Zeppelin's last song being their biggest song, and they. They stole it from someone else. Or, well, they or someone else wrote it. Someone did steal a lot of songs. They okay. did, but everyone steals songs. I'm not going to get into that point. I'm just going to say it's lame. It's lame. Okay, if if Aerosmith released an album in 1998 that's going to be their comeback album or their next big album, and they, lead, and they lead with a single that they didn't write because they need a little extra juice. Guys, we're, we're really cramping to write a song right here. Can, 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 we, uh, can we dig up Diane Warren somewhere? That's not what happened. Mike, Michael Bay is creating what he wants to be one of the biggest blockbusters of all time. He wants to bring in one of the biggest rock bands of all time. He brings in the best songwriter in movie history. He puts them all in a giant vessel together, and this is what you get. Aerosmith didn't need this. Aerosmith joined on with the, with the team that was going to create this, and this is what came out of it, and, it's, and it is an epic... There's the word epic, but there, it is an epic song... An iconic song, echoic, <laughs> that has that has lived on longer than the movie has. To be completely I, honest with you, I don't hate the song. I just, for someone who doesn't like Aerosmith to then have their biggest song be someone else's, is not really cool. It's lame. That's, that's my only point. It's lame. It's not rock and roll. Uh, it's definitely pop. It's definitely pop. You know, rock and roll, you know what I mean? Rock and roll, you know, and the whole we, attitude. Like, yeah, rock and roll. Like, Diane yeah, Morin is, wrote this song. Is, we're going we're gonna to learn how to play it. We're going to perform it. It's going to be our best song. I'm Steven Tyler. <laughs> I don't that's, know, man. You know, I, I, I think I you're that was, that was the best Steven Tyler impression I've ever had. <laughs> have, you, have you seen him recently? You he just used like your Ron Howard impression as Steven Tyler. Come on, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. But I just think you're clinging to this old concept of rock and roll. I'm not. I think, I think you think. No, I think you think I'm clinging to that. I'm not. I just think Aerosmith sucks in general, and then for their best song to be written by someone else adds to the fuel of the fire that they suck. So, Artie, as the authority on what is and isn't rock and roll, yes. uh, has your opinion changed at all? Zero. It is the yes, exact I didn't think same. It would. Yeah. My opinion of Diane Warren has gone up tremendously in the last couple of years. Right. As it should. Yeah. As it should, yes. We should, all, we should all recognize that Diane Warren is a legend that she is. But I, I will say there is an entity of this that we didn't mention in that little, little rant there. Is, is that there's the whole Disney end of this and the Disney aspect of this. And I forgot to, to include, I mean, we weren't preparing for Armageddon for that. We were talking about Argo and we just had a blip on it. The roller coaster was a big part of this the whole thing. The rock and roller coaster. The rock and roller coaster comes out the next the next year it comes yeah. out in 99 so they're building it around that time so they're really milking the end of their career yeah well no they were approached because you know who the rock and roller coaster was supposed to be 
Limp party biscuit? one of your least. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard Keep Skinner. Rolling, rolling, rolling. Leonard Skinner. Osborne. Uh, this is one of Steve's Kid favorite Rock? bands. This let's just not guess new metal bands. Uh, it is Steve, one of Steve's favorite bands, and already one of your least favorite bands. The Rolling Stones. Oh. It was going to be the Rolling Stones. Oh. Was the rock and I roll guess coaster. That makes more sense. So you're on the roller coaster. The lights are flashing, and it's like, AJ. <laughs> like cool. It probably would have been like song. brown sugar or yeah. something. Uh, but. Oh my god. Steve, as the resident Rolling Stones guy, who? What songs would you pick for the? Have you been on the rock and roll coaster by the way in Disney? I have. And I loved it. My favorite roller coaster that exists. It's amazing. Podcast. Really? Yeah, I love it. I'm it's not amazing. a big. Well, I'm not a big thrills like like drop from a million feet and. Kind of, no, what no. what would be the two songs you pick for out of the Rolling Stones? For the Rolling Stones, they for have the a roller coaster. For the rock and roller coaster, yeah. I think uh, for God. the it's sweet emotion and love in an elevator for maybe walk this way. You, you you get a different one each time, but those are the main ones. I yeah, think. I mean, Aerosmith is so much more appropriate for a roller coaster. I think, tumbling dice maybe. <laughs> the deep track. I, I see why they didn't pick Rolling Stones. <laughs> Wild Give me shelter. Horses. Yeah, right. I mean, come on. Give me shelter. I see a red room. Give me shelter on a roller coaster works. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Said, wait. Start me up. It would have started start with start me up, and it would have ended with. Uh, the ninety second roller coaster. So you get. Yeah. You basically just start with what you get. Start me up. What did you say, Steve? Tumbling dice. No, no, that was the. There was a. Dumb. I mean, I love Beast of Burden. Well, I said, give me shelter. Good. Yeah, I, I, can, I have to do this next now because we just listened to the whole rant. This whole idea that you have to write your song for it to be good is bullshit. This covers covers people reinvent songs and make them better than they were, well, which the, is more impressive to me than writing a. Look at Blake song. Shelton. Uh, being I, being, if you're your, a rock band, your obsession about having to write a song for it to be good, I just don't agree with. I that. am. I'm, hold on, I'm not obsessed with that idea. For like pop stars or whatever, there's just eight songs from 1985 that they just keep making every few years. Which is I'm talking about opinion. rock and roll. Mm -hmm. The bands that claim to be rock stars. Diane Warren hands you a song and it becomes your biggest hit ever. But uh, well, they had no. many, many other hits so, though. You make it sound like they, was, like they were a struggling so, band and then they finally got a hit to I, Diane Warren. I'd like to jump in on that. Your best-selling song isn't necessarily your biggest hit. That's actually the word-for-word word definition of biggest hit. No, it, it no, is. It's not. No, it's not. not. How about what do you mean, most popular song? song is probably your, your biggest your hit. Biggest, your biggest hit is the highest on the charts. That's And in this case is, I don't want to miss it. But they're also those other songs also weren't on the pop charts. They were on the rock charts. And it's rare that a song gets on the pop charts. Master of Puppets found its way to the pop charts and became Metallica's biggest. Another, well, that's cool. They wrote that. Diane Warren writes pop songs and gave it to Aerosmith, so they ended up on the pop chart. So, in, in 1998, you're talking about the peak of the movie soundtrack. I mean, the movie soundtrack has fallen off so it's very far, nice so far since then, and and the fact that this found its way onto a movie soundtrack. Aerosmith probably turned around and said we should have done a movie for every one of our other songs. Yes. I don't think that you necessarily ever have to say that a person's hit is based off of the fact that they wrote it. I think that that's a huge plus. However, if you want to like compare apples to apples here, My Heart Will Go On was written by Will Jennings and performed by Celine Dion. In one take. It's a pop. Yeah, it's a pop. In, in one take, it was a demo. Pop songs are very so, rarely 
written by the person who performs them. But like, let's, let's, Celine Dion's a pop star. Okay, but look at the Sinatras of the world and the Elvises of the world. Like Elvis yeah. isn't rock and roll. He didn't write any of his songs. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And and Elvis and Sinatra both took those songs and turned them into something that was iconography. I have a question for you. Do you think another band could have done this just as well with Diane Warren's song? It's, it's no. funny, Artie, it's funny that you asked me that question because I listened to four different versions of this today. There's a country version of this that comes out a year later. It's not very good. No, it's not very good. It's really basically just like a Kansas karaoke song. It's not even really country. I listened to another cover of, 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 of like Boyce Avenue was the band and it was like a nice piano. There is an element that Aerosmith brings to that song that it's, many other bands wouldn't be able to do. And I, they took... The entity that Aerosmith is mixed it with the Diane Warren song and found this epic song that we still listen to today. Now it's nice that you say Aerosmith, but I really think Steven Tyler mostly. I mean, he his his crazy that's voice fair. there is is that's really what what brings it to it. I don't know that his guitarist really jumped in and and uh, that's fair. Steve, where do you, you stand know. on on all this? I like two things in life. I like bands that go on tour and mix up their set lists. I have a big pet peeve against that. I'm with you there. And I also and I also like bands that write their own music. Okay, you're with you're in the Artie camp with that one. What do you think this song would sound like performed by Soundgarden? I think it would be awesome, but would wouldn't make Soundgarden any less rock and roll if they did it. Uh, the problem, mm, meh, no, it would. Okay, well, to me, it would. No, it would. The problem that you have on that is that Soundgarden would be playing the Aerosmith song. No, I'm, no saying I'm saying if, 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 they, were if they got if Diane Warren got I, Soundgarden I, instead because he could sing that. I I think that they would have mucked it up. That they wouldn't have they wouldn't have hit the same same marks that that Aerosmith did. Mainly because the music. I think that Soundgarden oh. would have added Soundgarden into it. A lot of Aerosmith gets taken out of this. I don't think it has anything to do with anything aside from the fact that this is her father singing an emotional I think that that matters too and that was a huge feat it is an emotional song and I think that all that it comes down to is the fact that they gave it to Aerosmith because how many other Aerosmith songs are in this all right well we'll we'll get to that in one second but and and I do and I did say in that initial point there it's about the vehicle too, and there's a lot of moving parts to this. The Disney of it all, the Liv Tyler of it all. Like, it, but, but yeah. Let's separate these two conversations well, because this two conversations is rock and roll. Or, or is Aerosmith a rock and roll okay, band? Well, I want to talk about how this movie, this song, works in this movie. Okay, good. Let's do that now because this is the Armageddon podcast. So let's move closer. Now to I want to get to this. Good. This song is fucking awesome. It's all awesome. Right, well, it good. really works, all and right. you know what? Aerosmith does a great job of playing it. They really do. Thank you. I needed to hear that's that. unrelated to me. Say, and I that's say fine. I so say that on Roadhouse. Let's, yes. So, let's so move. you got the answer you want. Let's move forward. You're like a lawyer's brother. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I'm, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna edit and splice it together to get what I want later. It's like I hate way worse. Yeah. <laughs> I love Aerosmith. Yeah. Okay, so go 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 into the movie. Let's go back to the movie. Final point. You can't say they're not a rock band now because their last, it's really their last song is is written by someone else and their bestseller. I mean, and in a movie. I mean, it's, they're a rock band that happened to do a song for a movie that blew and, up. And so I that point, that's the best point I've heard. I made that point in the clip too. It's at the end of their career. They had a wonderful career and it's at the end of the, eclipses their career. Steve. That's fine. 
Aerosmith within the context of this movie. Aaron, I'll go to you, you next. You can't ignore it. I mean, it's all over the place. Well, I like the montage when they're like gearing up and they're in the, you know, the, the, the uh, sweet emotion. Yep. I mean, there was three songs. We have Love well, there's four. We there's four. We get sweet emotion. Three Aerosmith songs. We get the cover of Come Together, which, by the way, also done by Soundgarden. Oddly that you guys picked those <laughs> together. We get the strip club song. Love in an elevator, isn't it? No, it's not love in an elevator. It's not love in an elevator. It's not. No. No, it's it's some B track and then we get sweet emotion. Yeah. And then obviously I don't want to miss Animal Crackers, it's called. Oh no, tell me it's I'm not. kidding. It's oh, called God. It's called Mr. Big Time. So yeah, no it's not good. Wait, there is an Aerosmith song in this called Animal Crackers, though. It's a minute twenty five song seconds. I think it's the song playing in the background when they're doing the animal cracker thing. Yikes. How does that make you feel about Aerosmith? <laughs> Aaron. Aerosmith in this film. The use of it just as an entirety is great. I think that it was kind of one of the redeeming qualities, I think. Of wow, the pro Aerosmith entities within this thing. And I'm not the biggest Aerosmith fan. I think that the nostalgia of it all, like, really, like, hits hard in the heart for me because it's like 90s, so 90s, so 90s, and it's great. And I feel like the father daughter thing, once it actually ends up like connecting, yeah, exactly. Connecting it makes a lot more sense, and I feel like that they do a really good job. At the end of the day, there are so many, so many, so many bands, and whether they're pop artists or rock stars or bands or whatever, so many incredible song artists that write things for other bands. Do you think that uh, Bruce Willis and Steven Tyler hung out together after this? I don't. I don't think so. I think that should happen. Yeah, I mean, it may have. I'm sure they've had their their, their runnings. I'm sure they had a they had a cheers over how much money they made over this thing. Um, <laughs> well, Bruce Willis did leave this saying he's never going to work with uh, Michael. Yeah, Bryan. so I don't think he was hanging around on set too much. He didn't even use his trailer with the gym. Well, Steven Tyler's not around set, I would imagine. Right, but unless he's dropping off Liv <laughs> at work, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he could have been. I don't but know. don't you think he'd call up Steven Tyler and be like, you know? I was I was your father on screen. You're our actual father. No. Let's go get a drink. I don't think that happened. I'm sure Bruce Willis knows who Aerosmith is, especially okay. as the star of of, uh, of Armageddon. But Steven Tyler doesn't seem that fun to hang out with. All right, let's cap up the uh, the not, yeah. let's cap up the Aerosmith talk here. Just speed round. Steve, favorite favorite Aerosmith song. <sighs> Sweet emotion. Artie. Uh, or Danny's got a gun. I really like Eat the Rich, but I'm gonna go with. <sighs> It's, it's 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 dream on, dream on. Yeah, Brennan, favorite Aerosmith song. Yeah, so already already stole mine. I'm 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 a big lover of the breakout songs, and that was their breakout yeah. song. So cool. Dream on is is definitely my favorite. Aaron, I I love crazy. I yes. love crazy. I yes, love crazy. Aaron. I love the. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna match Alicia you. High five right here. So I'm going crying. So you go crazy, I go cry. Oh, you're going to say jaded. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, love me some sweet emotion. Love me some love in an elevator. Um, living on an edge. Stevie brought up Janie's got a gun. That's Good stuff here. But got to be crying. Crying and crazy. Both both great. But let's, let's cap this talk off with really everything that goes on in space here at the end. How does this movie end for you? How's the journey here to it? Do they land? Do they, uh, do they miss some steps here? Um, Steve, I'll get, as, as this is your your movie of choice here, talk to me. Talk me through the uh, 
the final act of this thing. Yeah, I'll just start off by saying I thought the first half of this movie kicked ass. Um, totally agree. It's laughing. You know, we'll talk later on about favorite scenes and things like that, but the montage of them, you know, finding the drillers and negotiating their payment and everything, Steve Buscemi. Um, and there's a lot of laughs and stuff like that. And then when they go to space, and I even think um, Michael Bay said that uh, he thinks this is the worst film he's ever made. And that I think they had Ooh. 16. Yeah, he said that. He said it's the worst film that I made. Has he seen Pearl and, Harbor? And he said that. Aaron just high fived herself. Yeah. Like, yes. And <laughs> he said that they had 16 weeks to film and that if he could reshoot the whole third act, he would. Wow. Um, wow, the whole. He said. Is that, all he did? that is a yeah. tremendous feat. And to that try. Is, that is said, pretty impressive. To try to pack everything into this, it was just too rushed. And that, again, he would have reshot the entire third act. So I think once they leave Earth and go to space, it, the movie bumps down a bit for me. Loved the first hour. I was just having a blast, and I could have just kept watching them in all their different scenarios. But like on the rewatch, I didn't hate it in space. I mean, I thought there's so many things to nitpick and stuff like that. And I mean, Lev basically walked back to the armadillo when he was uh, after they jumped the canyon. You could just walk right back. Like he looks like he was strolling on like a beach. Uh, we have the Olympic zone. We can we can yeah. get after it. But it's you know, movie, as far it? as you know, the ending. I think they hit it with the straws and you know Bruce and mm. and and Bruce taking that and doing all that. So I, I thought that they hit the ending, but there was a lot of stuff going on that. Yeah, was that, not good. that's so interesting to me that that he said that about the third act because I I had that same reaction watching this thing is that this, there's third act problems here already have off you i like the space stuff and you're a you're a spaceman you're a space Listen, cadet. it's silly we're in we're in fantasy world i can deal with that i can get behind it yeah. but i like the idea that one of them goes crazy i like the idea that you're about to be out of range to detonate the nuke and you have to make a hard decision on earth but there's a guy on the, on the asteroid who can be convinced with words not to do it love all that love the nuke scene the whole thing. Love that. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, yes, it's silly. We're, it's a fucking silly concept. We're drilling into an asteroid. It's like a Texas. <laughs> By the way, one nuke is not blowing up Texas. Like, come on. <laughs> well, if it's in the center of Texas. It's, oh. it's the hand analogy. We have the nit- feet. The we hand have- was a great job. 800 feet down, you're going to be fine. We have the nitpick zone. The hand firecracker analogy was a great... Great touch to the movie. Love, yeah, love I agree. I love that. It's like, yeah, you open like this. He's like, you're going to you be close burned. Your, hand, like, your, your wife's going to be opening, be opening, your, your wife's well, be opening ketchup, ketchup bottles, bottles for the rest of your life. Like which, which made me forever think, oh, yeah, I need two hands to open this. I hate I will, those glass ketchup bottles, by the way. They drive glass ketchup bottles? Yeah, that's what he's, that's what he's talking about, the glass no, ketchup bottles. No, he's talking about the plastic thing. On just anything. Anything. Pop, I think he was talking about the twist. Oh. The twi- the twist of the yeah I guess that makes yeah. sense yeah you got to put your thumb on the no, seven and shake it properly yeah. we don't need to deep dive the ketchup the ketchup I, thing I don't Come like on. it it bothers me thing. this is my this is my venue to to, to air the, my grievances we with have the, world. the nitpick zone <laughs> this this oh, podcast is my nitpick zone <laughs> the whole platform um, um, yeah. well wait real real quick just <laughs> another thought I had is uh, Guns and Roses doing this song in 1998 no thanks uh that don't want to miss a thing might not have been the worst thing because they still put out songs two years later on like the end uh, of days soundtrack no thanks. just I, I throwing it out there the chops i don't think he's now uh google dolls could in 1998 so it's funny you brought that up uh we had to run no, back you're we had to run back to Arnie's house to get uh to get another microphone 
on the way back, we're actually waiting for Artie to get the microphone. Iris came on. Great Iris song. Iris was nineteen ninety eight movie. Meet Joe Black. No one remembers. No, that no, movie no. It's, no, it's City of Angels. No, two years oh, later. City of Angels. Yes. No, yeah. City of Angels. Is a different who wrote song. it? No, City of Angels. Is I Iris. do believe the Goo Goo Dolls wrote that. One. That was Goo. Uh, oh, he writes all their songs. He writes yeah. songs for other people too. He he's that. he's one of those guys. Now that that song that outlived the movie. Yeah. Yeah, no yeah. one remembers City of Angels. City of Angels. That's Nick Cage. Or, or There's Meg your Ryan. Bring, it was Meg Ryan. <laughs> bringing you back to Meg Ryan and Nick Cage. There we go. This movie has a very uh, important personal um, feeling to this. And it's a lot of the third act plays into it. So when I, I took the bar exam, it's a two-day bar exam. Uh, after the first day, the first day is six hours. The second day is another six hours. Go back to my hotel. I'm white. I'm shot. Get my room service. Throw the TV on. I don't know what the heck I want to watch. And on comes the training scene in, in uh, Armageddon. The third act for me had me so pumped up. The end of that movie is so good. I, I, I finished watching that movie. I was, I was on top of the world. Yeah, I, I can't tell you. I was so gung-ho. I went to the next day, took the last part of that bar exam, and I passed. That movie is so important to me. Cool! Um, wow! And, and it's and a lot of it is that that last that last scene. It gets it builds you up. No, I don't. I, I want to differentiate between the last scene and the third act, though. So, so let me ask you this, though, Brendan. Yeah. How was it watching the third act this time? Basically, what I'm saying is this when they're time, in space from the gas station on. So it, look, everything you're saying is true. It's problematic. I mean, I but how just, was your experience with it this time around? This time around. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> he said he liked it. Yeah, Aaron, have a, have a. I was really afraid he was going to be like Aaron ruined it for me because no. she was comically <laughs> laughing through all of it. Where there was one part where, when uh, what's the the first uh, the first ship's name? Independence something. Freedom. Freedom. freedom yeah so it's like the freedom and the independence so Love when the it. first one gets hit and everybody dies and then you're just seeing like bodies getting thrown and exploded and getting like knocked around i just turn to look at brendan i go michael bay's an asshole <laughs> <laughs> she and, did say that yeah and from then on i was just like okay there has it has to get better i know that it gets better i've seen this movie i know that it ends up on like we don't all die, so it's going to be fine because obviously all of this is real and this is life. Who would you rather hang out with? The crew from Deep Impact or the crew from Armageddon? I mean, obviously. <laughs> Can you name one person in the crew sucks. from Deep so Impact? The only thing they get right is the president. I, I think you're going to ask a fun question. Would you rather re- hang out with the crew from Freedom or the crew from Independence? I want to um, hang uh, out with the, the, the Bruce's crew. Uh, Not, I'm, I don't I'm, want to be on Ben's. I'm totally I'm, on Bruce's crew. I'm Is that Freedom? Ben Affleck's crew. Oh. Come on now. Oh, have fun Wilson, over there, Brennan. Ben have fun Affleck, over there. Bear. And the fat Come guy. On, we got the best crew. I love Bear. <laughs> Steve. Wait, real quick. What, what, Steve, come Steve, come Steve, and get Papa Bear. What, Steve, which crew are you on? 100% Bruce's yes. crew. Yes. Ride yes. or die. Aaron, Aaron, which crew are you join? Oh, definitely Bruce's. Okay, Brennan. Hey. I'm with Ben Affleck. Come hey, that's all right. You're over there. I got a hunch. We're the young team. We're the JV team. The closing to this though gets me absolutely every time. I tear up every time. The the, the hand on the, the monitor. Punch. You can make fun of Michael Bay all you want here. He nails it here at the end. And I mean, yes, we've already brought up a lot of it goes to to live and Bruce. But my God, I mean, it's just the, the, the Will Patton and his kid. And we didn't really talk too much about Will Patton other than the storyline. He's great in this. 
He's great. Great. Good. great addition. You know, I like everything. In, I can do the mission. I just can't handle this room. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's the most uncomfortable room I ever oh, been in. So, so he's a great actor. I mean, remember the Titans? We brought it before. He's in that. He's he's the other coach. Yep. He's in. Uh, he's recently in uh, Minari, the Best Picture nominee. He's the. Mm, he's right. in labor in that. Yeah. He's that's he's, right. he's a nice little actor. And you know, listen, he doesn't get a ton of run in this. He gets the. the Couple two emotional packs, yeah. but the, it's tough to be the number two in he's in a movie like that. You know, like yeah. he's like uh, the the what is it's kind of like like he's Bruce Willis's confidant, pretty much. Right. So not, so not quite Ed Burns in Saving Private Ryan, but um, who's who? He's did, more Tom in Godfather. Yeah, <laughs> like he advised on some things. Please That's leave right. the room on others. <laughs> <laughs> who is uh, who's the, who just passed away from from Heat and um, to Romance? Uh, Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Tom Sizemore in, in, in Saving Private Ryan. That's kind of his role, yeah. I love True Romance. Like Tom Saving Hanks' muse. Saving Private Ryan was your best picture winner here. Um, Brendan, <laughs> I know that's a touchy subject here on our sh- our Shakespeare in Love, was the, the winner, yeah. the actual winner, Saving Private Ryan, the, the should-be, could-be winner, okay, director actual winner. winner. And Life is yeah. Beautiful. He's a winner. Yeah. Well, Steve's a big, big Life is Beautiful guy. I mean, those two films... Not getting it in Shakespeare in Love. I mean, I, I watched it so long ago. I have to rewatch it it's again. It's one of Brennan's favorites. Was on the episode yep. and yeah. stands by that it should have won Best Picture. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, watch it. Uh, watch it and report back. We'll be revisiting that at some point. I don't know when, but Zeta Short, I think, is going to join us. Yes, yeah, Zeta Short's going to going to throw her different hat in the location ring because we can't get back the old location. We can. We may just have to have to go out in the street and do it <laughs> front there with that. But yeah, the uh, return to Shakespeare in Love. Shakespeare falls in love again. I want to give the end of the movie a little more talk. Okay. When he, when Ben Affleck draws the shortest straw, that's emotional. That's when crazy. when that's when crazy. Bruce takes him down, that's emotional. And when Bruce shoves him in the thing and he's screaming at the elevator, like yeah. that's emotional. This is all. This is all good. This hits. This all, yeah. all, I mean, that's all Affleck. Too. And that's I, all the two of them. I do want to specify too, and Aaron, I don't know if you agree with this. We, I think it's, I think you and I are on the same page with a lot of things here with this. But uh, my third act problems end from the the straws, the drawing of straws. So, they, uh, like from that point to the end, I'm I'm, I'm a lover. Now, are you positive it. you're identifying the third act correctly? Because I view it as like first act is them. I have my own space. definition. Though. Second act is them up until. Drawing straws, and the third act is drawing straws going forward. No, that's not how I look at it. Yeah, that's not no. how I look at it. I I look at it as the 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 first act is or the, the decision setup. not to detonate the nuke could be the start of the third act. Like we're going for it. Yeah. So you're the setup, the training, and then the, yeah. The, to, the, to me, the, the training is the the training into the launch is the second act. Uh, I have and that the all. Third first. act is gas station on. The entirety of space is your third act. Uh, once they're up there, yeah, yeah, that's kind of to me. I'm with Artie. I think drawing the straws to the to the returning to Earth, that's the third act. That's the end. Yeah. But who start of the end? It's, it's, I don't think he would say he would rewrite that. I don't think but he would. No, he's, yeah. he's he means about, space. He's talking no, about if space. If you think about it as like a conclusion, I I think Karen's right. But in the breakdown of how it goes, I feel like. It uh, it's tough to identify. Yeah, yeah. Kind of because um, it's a structureless movie. I do. Agree. I do. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay doesn't it's know. Right. It's not a movie. It's a trailer. Dun, 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 <laughs> yeah, it's a trailer. But dun, back dun, to what Kieran was yeah, asking, bum, bum, I do bum, agree bum. with you. The redeeming qualities of this movie are all from said third act adjacent yeah. and later. 
for sure. Yeah. I like how there's just moments where, like, Michael Bay's like, all right, uh, we're losing the audience. Uh, 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 blow up a city in Asia. Oh, oh my God. They, they literally <laughs> just have Remember, to... we have stakes. The movie is going on. They just cut to Asian <laughs> architecture and then slam it with asteroids. <laughs> and then they're, like, back to NASA. <laughs> yeah. What are these rogue Wait, things? Also, people in archaic that... hats that, like... Do oh, like, Raiden, Raiden like, lives yeah. in Asia. <laughs> We're in Mortal Kombat Asia. And we have freedom and independence. Like, talk about schmoozing the American military. Your team Paps, your team Blue Ribbon. Michael Clark Dunk, uh, Bear is a great line. He goes, he's like, we, we, we're going to go into space. Like, would they find oil on Uranus? <laughs> he's like, we're going to go. We're gonna, they want to go. They want us to go dig out there. And, no, he says that. That's, I'm not, it's, it's pronounced <laughs> Uranus. Like, it's uh, a line. Uh, yep. I like that. Uh, oh my God, that's Yep, it's there's like three three people talking at once, and that's quietly one of the lines. I like, hey, my business is drilling, so is mine. Oh yeah, the proctologist. Like, oh god, <laughs> he's like, we found ketamine. It's a very powerful sedative. Steve, do you have a, your quote of the movie here? Oh, my quote of the movie. Around. Yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna it, be mine too. I think. Request permission to shake the hand of the daughter of the bravest man. I've ever known. Oh. Colonel William Fincher. Oh, also mine. So good. I knew you had it. Uh, also mine. I mean, it's kind of like, Fichtner is another one of those, uh, oh, this guy's Fichtner. randomly and randomly in all these movies. And it's just like so many, I'm like, ah, what's this guy doing here? And then he learns that line. I'm like, oh. That is one. that the guy from The Rock? The FBI agent? Um, yeah. He, um, he's yeah. He's a crash. Also. Yeah. 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 He's, but, yeah. I also. I always love that guy. Yeah, me too. FBI agent number one. Oh my. I also don't think it was the most well-written line. I think he delivered it like such a freaking boss. He did. Yeah, but he did. that he was did. really sharp, right? That was his line. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So mm, his character arc, I felt like, was very like he was a wiener the entire time. And then all of a sudden, he's like, let me pull a gun on you. And then he's like, we're best friends. High five. I agree with you. We're cool. Yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the bait and switch heel. It's like Hangman and Maverick. You know, he's the dick the whole time. And he comes in and... You know, yeah. has that moment at the end, and it's like, oh, we liked him all along. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's you know, the classic little storyline tactic. He'll turn face. Yes, that's right. Uh, my quote of the movie is another quote. I mean, I gave a quote, but it's not my quote of the movie. My quote of the movie is when they explain to Liv and Bruce. Billy Bob explains to him what what is going to happen, and he's like, "You have no backup plan." He's like, "All they got to do is drill. No spacewalking." He's like, "All right." And then Liv Tyler walks up to him, like, just stares at him like you're like, the look is, I can't believe you're accepting this. And he goes, I just don't trust anyone else to do it. That's all. And like, as a dad, like, I relate to that. That's cool. Like, if it's like, we have to save the world, like, I I don't really trust anyone else to do this. I'd rather just do it myself and try to save it. I also love the, um, I thought you couldn't trust him. I thought you could. Yeah, I yeah, also I good. and yeah. another one is when he goes to. Don't re- you said I should. Yeah, you I said I could. should. Yeah, he yeah. fires Ben Affleck and then he goes to to get him, and he's like, when I tell, he's like, there's no job on earth I yeah. want to do with you, and I mean that, and he uh, walks and he away, walks away. and he means on earth. What's, What's the job? job? Huh? Uh, <laughs> Brennan, do you have a quote of the movie? So yeah, I mean, I already took a better one. Uh, Harry Stanford has the best best quotes in here. Bruce Willis. One that, uh, for I don't know whatever reason, is always stuck in my head. Harry Stanford goes. So let me let me get this straight. You you took my patent and you did a piss poor job of putting it together. And then Billy Bob Thornton jumps in and he goes. 
So you said we did a bad job of putting it together. He goes, no, I said you did a piss poor job of putting it together. <laughs> But it's just, it's just such a, uh, it just speaks so much about uh, Bruce Willis's character that he's, a, he's very, he's, he's uh, fiery and he's very, um, he's, he's on point. What he says is what he means and he doesn't, he doesn't bullshit you. Yeah. The line right before that's hilarious too. Bruce Willis is like, would you raid the patent office? He's like, pretty much. Yeah, right. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> right. Uh, Aaron, do you have a quote of the movie? I <clears throat> I feel like what I think is the quote of the movie that I am thinking of is there is an iconic scene where it's Bruce Willis standing in front of a blatant American flag as a backdrop and it's a conversation back and forth and he just goes, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Yeah, uh, exactly. yeah. That that's when he's asking for everyone to get their 24 hours yeah, leave. Yeah, I love yeah. that. He goes, I'm not asking you, I'm telling and you. And that's just, it's just so Bruce Willis. He just delivers it perfectly. Wait, can I give you my runner up though? Because it's a really big deal and as, as what I understand, it was also improv. Come and get Papa Bear. <laughs> he improv most of his lines. A lot of them did. Did he? Yeah. My line would be, this is Bruce again, just with his... Master delivery. He's the only one your age, bracket Grace. It's not a choice. It's a lack of options. That's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. It's not a choice. It's a yeah. lack of options. I love it. Uh, okay, I think we, uh, we can handle what we have to handle in the awards and such here. But first, we have to go to a very special planet here on Best Picture Cast. It nitpick. is the nitpick zone. And this is an asteroid the size of Texas here. Yes. <laughs> this one, folks. Let's go. All right, uh, Artie, you have said you got a lot here, and I think some have already surfaced. I kind of am in the opposite here. I kind of lean back with this. I didn't go crazy on uh, this one. I figured a lot would come up. I'm going to pop in a little bit here, but... I'll start early on in the movie. Uh, Bruce Willis is hitting golf balls at protesters. If he hits one of them, they're extremely injured, if not dead or suffering a traumatic brain injury. Golf balls are extremely hard and cause major injury on a golf course if they hit someone. He's hitting them directly he at is. people on purpose. Yeah. He's going to lose that rig yeah, uh, if he hits someone. That's, that's good. It'll segue right into mine, and then I'll lay back a little bit. You know what else is pretty dangerous, Artie? Working on an oil rig. Um, no, a shotgun. And when you just start aiming it and firing it at people, on an you oil rig. Well, they're roughnecks. To, oh yeah. Well, you know, you're gonna probably kill someone if you do that. He's I mean, trying. To, I think. Was, the, I think the first three shots, he's trying to kill Ben Affleck, and then he slowly calms down <laughs> as he's going. I mean, he was. That was as Looney Tunes yeah. as it gets. Like I, I he's literally know. chasing him and firing a shotgun. These guys are animals. That's not how people behave. I don't know why this is a nitpick. I mean, this is showing the type of person he is. He's got these. He, it's over these, the top. These tree hugging, you know, kind of anti oil. You're talking about the golf balls? Give a shit. Yeah. I get it, but like if he hits one, they're going to be like, I have a traumatic brain injury. You owe me, you know, $5 why million. Are, yeah, like, why are you this okay? is, is like, Harry Stamper, stop doing that. Right. Get a lawsuit. Why are you okay like, with care. the shotgun, but not the golf balls? Like, why are the golf balls more dangerous than the shotgun? He knows the guy he's shooting at. Like, he's, the, the, he's the, trying to murder him. <laughs> 
I, I over I overlooked the shotgun because it was <laughs> character development. It was. It is. It is. It's completely absurd. It is absurd. You shouldn't shoot a shotgun on an oil rig. You're probably not allowed to have an you oil. Shoot you shouldn't shotgun. have a shotgun on an oil rig. You shouldn't shoot a shotgun at someone to threaten them. The shrapnel goes everywhere. He's gonna. Uh. This guy just is a major liability, Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> he's hitting golf balls. He's shooting people. And so is his southern accent, which. <laughs> Oh, it, come, it, comes it comes and goes. goes. It comes and goes he sometimes. <laughs> he does for the first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Really? He kind of loses it. Yeah. It, it, it's like the Boston accent and the Departed for Jack Nichol, Nicholas, Nicholson. It comes and goes. Yeah. yeah. Well, Nicholas the guy. Steve, any, uh, any nitpicks here? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you could nitpick so much space things. and, and, and But like, I, I think I'm in Kieran's school of thought here. Like, I just went into this... Knowing it's like so much bullshit. I think NASA, I read that NASA shows this to, or did probably in the late 90s and early 2000s, shows this movie to recruits to say, point out how many mistakes. It's like 168 or some shit like yeah, that. What not to do. Yeah, yeah. it's like they have to, do what like not to do. they have to do like a highlights magazine, like circle yeah. all the things that are wrong. You got to <laughs> get them all. <laughs> but There's 80. For me, my nitpick would just be uh, some of those love scenes um, or like development would with uh, Ben Affleck and, and Liv and cut that out and uh, more Bruce, more Billy Bob, more Buscemi, more Owen Wilson. So that's my nitpick. All that space stuff and all the crazy shit, that's popcorn, baby. I think they also said going in, hey, let's not try to be scientifically accurate. Yeah. Thing. Let's go. They but, succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already, Aaron, Aaron, you got one. I mean, I'm 100% on par with you, Steve. I also feel like there were some things in the movie that looked like comically fake. I have in my notes is Coyote Roadrunner looking Acme Rockets is in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> he does kind of, I love that he uses the Back to the Future line when he's doing the models though. He's like, it's not to scale, so no one make any jokes. Yeah. So it's like, it's like they, they foresaw a nitpick zone coming. There. Yeah. I just, it's the, the Christopher Lloyd, it's not for scale, it's not to scale. Right. So being introduced to Colonel Willie Sharp, I also just wrote Wiener, and then I and then I said, um, so his comment is so that you don't freak out when you're on the asteroid. But this scene is literally like spot for spot, exactly scene for scene, frame for frame to Top Gun. It, when they're sitting in the hangar and they're sitting in. Class. All of this yeah. stuff with I'm the class all brings me back to Top Gun, and obviously we did not win with that, but that is where a lot yeah, of yeah we're my taking you're taking this a bit personally. Which is yeah, where it sounds a lot like you're spiteful. Comes from. Yeah. Um, Flight school and preparing for NASA space were a little different for me. I didn't I didn't get like a classroom vibe with a lot of the stuff. Uh, I did. I got to throw the the snip like because this is just horrible. I mean, this is like. The, the inkblot stuff is so bad. Oh, it's so what, the Rorschach stuff? So bad. Wait, they're not taking so it seriously no, 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 on purpose. No, 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 no. Well, neither am I. No, but, yeah, but it's so poorly written. Oh, that one's Harry not approving of me. And that one's Harry telling me I can't date his daughter. And, like, nobody talks that way. No one even jokes around that way. I like, like Steve Buscemi's, like, it's a woman with large breasts. He's like, that's you with breasts. Well, that's, well, that's <laughs> at least him screwing around. It's a well, stupid joke. It's a, it's a, the scene should have been cut. But, wait, but ben the Affleck, Ben Affleck part is so bad. No, but Ben Affleck's not crying when he does it. He goes, is it's, Harry not, you know, he's not taking it seriously. He goes, oh, thanks, yeah. Yeah, try it again. Yeah, but, 
Why is he saying that to the doctor? The doctor's like, who the fuck's Harry? Not realistic. (laughs) I don't know. That's a good point. It's not. No one would, no no grown adult would say that out loud. It just would not happen. They're roughnecks. We're not doing this. this. Yeah, Brennan. So my biggest nitpick is, uh, you know, and I don't know if anyone else would come up with this, but all of a sudden, Steve Buscemi is shooting off guns and, and they didn't know that he had problems before. Oh my God, he's got space dementia. <laughs> I amazing. loved that. That this was is one a, of my this favorites. Is a, this is a known clinical disorder <laughs> that like, oh, of course, yes. Right, that's right, space dementia. <laughs> yeah, I already know about this. Already, you're heard the closest this. thing we have to an in-house uh, space <laughs> expert. Is space dementia a thing? No. <laughs> but, but that's exactly it's it. just dementia. It's, it's, I'll Google it quick. But that's exactly it. Like they just like make up, Twitter. they just make up this disorder on the fly, and, and we're supposed to be like, "Oh yeah, that's right." Space, I mean, space dementia. Oh, oh man, sounds very Michael Bay to me. Yeah, right, right. Do you want to know where but, space dementia no, okay, originates? So, yes, I do want to know. Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. That might be after. It's a fictional mental disorder mentioned in season one of oh, no, of Ren and Stimpy, yeah. and um, it's it's loosely based on a an issue with that astronauts have when they're exposed to a lot of high energy particles, but it's very, very rare. There's no cases of it. It's just a thing they think there could happen. It's a thing they there th- has to be a case of it if it has ever like been recorded. No, nah, because no one's out in spacewalks for as long as these people in this movie are out in spacewalks, which is another nitpick. <laughs> you don't just walk no around one's... in space for that long. <laughs> this, this isn't real. This is not like you're you don't hopping drill. around in it. Also, there's no spacewalking. Well, there's spacewalking. They're on the fucking a- an asteroid hopping around. Like, this is spacewalk. This is astronaut well, stuff. You know, and, that's, and I don't want to say that drilling is not an art. But when he's like, you know, drilling is art. I've done it. My father's done it. And like, and, and being an astronaut is not an art. <laughs> well, this, before <laughs> we go back to... in the space be- and you figure it out. <laughs> before I go to Aaron with you, with the, but this is... So this is the big one of this movie that Ben Affleck actually brought up on the commentary is him and Michael Bay are sitting next to each other doing the audio commentary for it. And he goes, Michael, wouldn't it make more sense to train astronauts to drill as opposed to having drillers become astronauts? Like, wouldn't that be easier? And Michael Bay's like, shut up over there. Well, there's a line. There's a line. There's a line. <laughs> I know. And I know they corrected in the movie, but that is like, that's like the Titanic floating door. Yes. Famous nitpick. And yeah. I agree. I think the movie does address that and they, and they and, do it fine. And I get it. And they get Bruce Willis to address it, which makes it even better. Like his, his delivery of that line is so convincing. Like that drilling is such an art that you can't teach it. And what's the more essential part of the mission? Getting to space or drilling in space? The drilling the drill. is, that's the is, part that's going to save the world, not yes. the traveling to space. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we'll get you there. You guys drill this. Which I think a, a normal, he, Billy Bob says, can they survive the flight to space? Yeah. That's all I care yeah, about. Just get them up there. Get them up there because they can drill. Which, so they're kind of going with what you guys are saying, it, but they're eliminating training the astronauts 30 years worth of drilling i wouldn't give him a potato gun except the doctor's <laughs> answer was i'm surprised they survived the test yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of which is only found in horses that's a pretty good other uh, ketamine <laughs> no ketamine and then another one yeah, some, some of these guys are pretty big Aaron, what did you have next year? So, so my other nitpick was going to be about okay. Oh, the gun in the lockbox on the spaceship. Yeah, yeah. That well, was like, come on, stop. That, there isn't really, a scientist in the world that would allow that. So we, we were we were watching this, and then we were, we're talking this. about it. I'm like, does 
does gravity work this way? I don't think so. And he's like, well, but if you're in the spaceship, then like maybe there is gravity in the spaceship. I was like, I don't care. But a gun in a lockbox is like a hit the red button alert. Let's like shoot this guy. Come on. So so we're literally watching this scenario and goes, no way. I'm like, what do, what do you mean no way? Which is like a gun <laughs> in a lockbox with a red card. Like, like they knew there was this like crazy contingency plan where he's gonna need a gun and a red card. Uh, good old, good old Michael Bay. Uh, Already, can I deep dive some nitpicks here? Because there's some big ones. Like I watched a 15 minute video on what happens if the Armageddon asteroid hits Earth in real life. Back on on Aaron's last nitpick, if that's okay. Sure. I love I love the scene where he goes. um, He goes. You swear, you swear on your daughter's life that you can you can drill that depth. I swear. Let's let's turn off this bomb. The guy who just started the bomb about fifteen minutes ago is now being like, we gotta we gotta turn this bomb off. Okay, yeah, but they make pretty, good points. It's pretty ridiculous. He's they make punch good points. You in the face. Yeah, in the, He's gonna shake your hand. We're in the fog of war, the heat of battle up. here, you know. Already, so, anyway. All right, you want to do the space deep? I, I watched a video on what would happen if the real Armageddon asteroid hit Earth. So they say in the movie, the asteroid smashes into the... First of all, we would have seen this coming for probably a year, if not months. You don't think we would have needed a salty old guy to look out of his telescope in his room and berate his wife for a I'm little gonna bit? I'm going to call it Dottie. <laughs> She's a life-sucking bitch from which there is no escape. Great name for an asteroid that's going to end the world, by the way. A life sucking bitch from which there is no escape. But they only have funding to look at 3% of the sky. Okay. It's it's a damn big sky. My head's going to explode. A million (laughs) dollars to cover three. That's just so made up. There's there's telescopes all over the world looking at every inch of the sky at all times. We have telescopes in space looking at the sky at all times. The Hubble telescope's been up for a while, guys. They they use the Hubble in this movie. They reposition it. Billy Bob Thornton says to them when he's describing how the world will end, oh, there'll be a tidal wave three miles high. No. When this asteroid hits Earth, all of the water will evaporate within about five minutes because the temperature will increase to about 8,000 degrees. Artie, are you gonna, uh, maybe I'll just have you be my recast. I'll just plug you in the movie and you can, <laughs> you can preach the science. The movie ends when the asteroid hits the asteroid belt and, and wrecks the, 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 the crew in space and then hits Earth. Those asteroids that from the asteroid belt that the asteroid crashed into and sent flying to Earth um, would end life on Earth. <laughs> hmm. Those alone would end life on Earth. Also, you can't blow Texas in half with one nuclear now, bomb. I did read. I did read an article that suggests that that could potentially could potentially happen. That, that that could that could be. I mean, I don't know what this. Who wrote this article or where it came okay. from? But, it's, but it was a blog somewhere. I yeah, guess. that's that's fun. That's fun. That's a sometimes useful exercise. You know. Hey man, all right. This, I don't get paid for this. Research. But the, the 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 point is an asteroid this big in real. Let's put it in real life terms. We would know this is coming for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we knew it's going to hit Earth, which is a very low chance, there's basically no chance we could stop it. There's nothing we could do. And everything except for, no, everything actually would, would just die. Bacteria couldn't live. And we'd probably have another moon, actually, because of the amount of mass that would break off of the Earth from the impact and start orbiting the Earth. What I, what I 
saying is is that this movie was heavily ridiculed at the time it came out because of all the things that you're saying but there were people who came back about the at first of all there being an asteroid the side of texas saying that they're actually they proved that there was one. Oh, there are t- yeah tons yeah. out there they don't get close to earth yeah isn't the point of this movie that it you you present the insurmountable circumstances yeah, the stakes and then and then find a way to overcome it of course I mean, and it, it would it would have been slightly more realistic if it was like a hundred mile while a hundred mile wide instead of a thousand because a hundred you could actually land on that, that's their plan actually yeah, but there's an asteroid coming to earth you know NASA's plan is to land on a drill and bomb yeah but then you don't get the Billy Bob line to the president uh as actually it's the, it's the size of Texas uh, yeah la- last 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 one yeah, what kind of destruction are we talking total sir also, total total not, not, not even a, bacteria not would a bacteria would survive <laughs> but also you got Bruce Willis you got Ben Affleck I know you got Billy Bob you got Michael Clark Duncan no reverse nitpicking we didn't bring these guys out here for a hundred mile wide <laughs> Astro we got a thousand mile wide Astro the size of Texas let's do this yeah and I and, go and, and I kind of go with with Steve what he's saying is just for this type of movie let's throw the science out and have some fun you fine know, like, what, like then don't create a nitpick zone and make me enter it. Oh, see what my nickname is? Because the science is a major nitpick. No, it's just a zone. It's We're in a zone. zone. We're in the nest. We're in the zone. So it's like, like I said, it's a UFC cage. You, so you the other thing is... To, you got to be able to throw some punches in to take some. Let's say Bruce succeeded and he he detonated and the asteroid split in half and the two big pieces... He did succeed. As he did. ...went around yes, the side, just like as in 1998 in real life. Michael Bay tells us that. he did. I, I saw it in real life. Okay, great. Now, where that impact occurred in the middle... There'd be a ton of debris accelerated towards Earth that would basically which would, which just end would only the hit main cities as Asia said before. Yeah. It would hit no. Asia. No, it, it would hit. It would hit. It would hit the <laughs> island of Manhattan. It would miss. It would miss Brooklyn, Staten. But no, it would just. Paris, it would hit Grand Tokyo. Central Station, Nassau, Suffolk, yes. or they're fine. Would would not hit just the center of uh, the ocean or, or Montana. Oh, so or, if or it hit, if it hit, this is Ukraine. interesting stuff. Like if this asteroid hit the Pacific Ocean, he said it would have caused blah blah blah. Uh, waterfall, uh, uh, tidal waves. It would actually go straight through all of the water and smash into the bottom of the ocean nine miles down and fucking explode the world. Artie, stop. Artie, stop being a scientist, please, for the life of all of us. We don't get to do this every movie. Artie, we all know it would hit a Godzilla vendor directly in the upper torso. (laughs) We'd still have his shoes and his sneakers intact and his his cargo shorts. And later... The the top of his body would be fine. The dog would survive, as as is tradition, and that, that would be it. And later we would find out that the asteroid makes a Godzilla roar as it flies through space, <laughs> which there is no sound. Honest question, Mr. Spaceman. Do, would, it, would an asteroid have its own climate like it does in the movie, or is that made up? Uh, no, it wouldn't have an atmosphere. Okay, that's t- totally, that's just Michael Bay. It, like, it, it's it's, 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 it's a chemical entity. It would explode and have geysers. Right, and, so and ke- but it, there's have, no atmosphere. You can't, there's yeah, no, wouldn't have there's its own no atmosphere. Okay, why would you say that? It, can't like, have an atmosphere. Gravity is based on mass. So, so if the if the asteroid is large enough, it would have some sort of gravity. The thing is spinning. It needs the chemicals within it to create an atmosphere. It's made it's of iron and 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 sulfite. It's made of metal. Okay. There's no well, gas. It didn't have a climate, but it did have some sort of gravity. It ha- would have gravity. It would have gravity, yeah, of no, course. My question was. That whole thing was just made out of hard iron. It's an iron plate. (laughs) But yes, it would have gravity, 100%. That's why they can walk. That's why they can land and drive and shit. Well, they had thrusters, too, that that kept... uh, Which... uh, So... The thrusters... They have these weird thruster... um, Boot thruster things that hold them to the... Armadillos. To the ground. I can't... They can walk, but somehow it's like magnetizing them. 
the ground. They never really explained. Well, if it's that. iron, you could be magnetized just to it. To accept that in the '90s they had this technology and this is a thing that they prepared for. I, I, well, they had some hidden technology that no one knew about. You know? Right, right. Well, I mean, if, a lot if, of technology that no one knew about. Hello. No way you guys can tell us who killed JFK, can you? <laughs> no. Not uh, he'd like you to bring back. Again, ever again. He'd like you to bring back eight tracks. He's like, I don't know if you could do that. <laughs> like, yeah, you create a social phenomenon. <laughs> um, what's the room in Nassau where the uh, sad daughter gets to talk to her dad on nine screens? And then goes fuzzy like a, oh like you hit the wrong God, channel, <laughs> and then and then maybe a and then maybe a uh, an Aerosmith music video with uh, Steven Tyler touching a blue screen comes can up. Can the too. static screen turn to Steven Tyler singing mid movie? Can we do that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do we need to? Do we need I'm to so glad. No, but so many families We can be here all week. No, but I really, I do want to thank you for letting me talk about the ridiculous course, science nature of this. this Maybe we like, need to do a return to Armageddon nitpick song. I, I we, I'm not joking. That. I could have spent 90 minutes nitpicking this. Song. <laughs> oh god! I have one. Oh why, why? wait, he goes and gets Bruce Willis. The military goes and gets Bruce Willis, and then a minute later they go, "Well, it's been 18 and a half hours." Why is his crew scattered all over the continental U.S. in 18 and a half hours? They They're in they, every they country. Got, well, every state, no, okay. I mean. They picked zone action here. Every state. They got to go home. And these are world travelers. 18 and a half hours. Okay, I'll tell you what right now. People who, people who are on the road for nine out of or nine tenths of the year and have a little bit of time, they get direct flights home, they get to spend some time with their family, they scatter out. So this is one I wrote down and then actually said the same thing to myself, yeah. but oh, I was like, okay. I'm going to mention it anyway, fuck All it. All right, let's 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 move on from the Nipic Zone I was going to say you give Kieran a weekend <laughs> off at Nags Head. He's in Puerto Rico. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Come on, let's do it. Yeah. Might want to go out to Owen Wilson's ranch out in uh, wherever that was. Yeah. Good. Get it. Award time. MVP, Steve. MVP. MVP for me is Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is yeah. your movie, your win. Yeah. Bruce. You're the MVP here today for, for yeah. picking it. I feel like Bruce, Second round win. Bruce carries it. You know, there's a lot of great actors in it. Billy Bob. Um, Michael Bay is definitely not the MVP in this movie. Um, yeah, Bruce. I mean, he's a superstar, all star, comes swinging in. And even though he won the Razzie, which I think is kind of crazy, um, I think he, like, he crushed it. I don't think he wanted to be there um, in retrospect and just doing research. And That's even more impressive to me. Yeah, and yeah. the fact yeah. that he didn't what want to be there, he still just still crushed it. Still crushed delivered. it, yeah. I love Professionalism. Your, I love the Clint comparison. You, you used someone else uh, before about their just kind of their quiet facial expressions. Yeah, like Leo's um, got it too a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. I'm just going to piggyback on top of that. He's my MVP too, Bruce Willis. Makes this work for me. He made he he made me invested, and yeah, this he's my MVP too. Artie, will kick it off to you. Bruce is the heart of the movie. He's my MVP. Yeah. Okay. Aaron. Hundred percent, Bruce. Bruce motherfucking Willis. Hell yeah, Brendan. <laughs> MVP. So this is the first time we've done five. And this is the first time we get unanimous, I believe. Wow. Yeah. A five for five Bruce yeah, Willis Bruce MVP. Willis. And, I, and there's a line in this movie that should have been my favorite line. And I'm going to bring it up now. Ben Affleck says, Harry will do it. He doesn't know how to fail. And honestly, that's Bruce Willis. Hell yes. He didn't want to be there. He didn't want to do the movie. And, it, and that dude doesn't know how to fail. 
he succeeded in, in every aspect. Of Amazing. And I do want to say, if we recorded this a year ago or two years ago, I think we would have had the same answer. This isn't a sentimental pick because he's going through his troubles now. Um, and I'll say this. A, a, a unanimous MVP is very rare. At that's, a rare on, that's a rare on three, four-person episodes. Or, or a three-person episode. That's yeah, what I mean. Yeah. I, so I'd have to go back to see what the unanimous ones were. There aren't a lot, but for go five for five, love that. That's amazing. Arnold Schwarzenegger was uh, one of the first choices for, for that role. Different movie. Not necessarily a bad movie, but a Holy. different movie. And in The Rock, too, he turned down both. Wow. Who was he supposed to be in The Rock? It's not the choice. It's a lack of options. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, it's gonna be Nick Cage. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't. Yeah, if, I just don't trust anybody else to do it. That's all. <laughs> if Arnold was in a spacesuit. Oh. Wait, unless you did the. Wait, unless come here, AJ. Is like the guy in the Russian space station because that could have been wild. I said you did the. I said you did the piss. It said you did a piss poor job. <laughs> no space walking. Firing the shotgun off. Come here, AJ. Shot door on the fort. Oh my God. Don't you know why I closed down pump two? <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> what does he keep calling him? The hot shot or a uh, uh, hot head? Yeah, hot head or uh, hot shot. I don't remember. It's not a tumor. <laughs> it's a tumor. Oh. Lack of options. Did Crazy Willie put you up to this? <laughs> like, I don't know, Crazy Willie, sir. <laughs> I only got to bring my daughter. It's a cropped table in Vegas. <laughs> you find him there. He's the only black guy on the motorcycle in Missouri. <laughs> like, dude, I, uh, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Arnold Ford. Arnold Geddon. Arnold Geddon. <laughs> Come on, Liv. Come with me, Liv, if you want to live. <laughs> oh god okay that was too good oh my god I'm crying <sighs> Steve LVP Ben Affleck you went you went there first I thought I was gonna be the bad guy with this one I think uh, I no I, I mean there was a part of me that, that looked in the at Michael Bay and and actually like quickly dismissed myself because I don't like Michael Bay but I actually think that his strengths worked in this movie it, it, it really did they and, do. And I do kind of like the Michael Bay aspects of this film. It, it works for me. It's particularly the first 40 minutes. Um, it, it's Ben Affleck. And and I did not know, Steve, I think you brought this point up today. I didn't know that he was supposed to be an insulary character. Mm. And they pushed him in because of the Titanic. And that makes so much sense to me. It's like forced. It really plays that way. It makes like, the line... It's uh, he's the only one in your age range. Like, well, yeah. that's the only actor we cast in your age range, so we need to make him have the love story with we you. Yeah, we can't have a passionate love story with Steve Buscemi. That's not yeah. wait, wait, but but Owen Wilson is about five seconds older than Ben Affleck. Yeah, yeah. oh man, but he's I not mean, attractive. Well, that's, a, you know, hey. that's not a bad switch the roles, points, Brendan. But that's what that's what Harry Stamper says. He, Almost like, you know, they're discovering their bodies, they're getting together. But he's the comedy guy. You're You're about five seconds older. That's not a bad point. Yes, he's the the comedic. um, Yeah, but but Michael Clark Duncan and Buscemi are playing into that role a little bit. That's a good point. You know, I... Man, there was just a below freezing episode. Grant guessed it over there. This movie is not the same with Owen Wilson and Love with Liv Tyler. We can't even entertain this. Well, I... We can't entertain this. They were arguing over whether they find... Owen Wilson charming or not and Adam was kind of like Adam and it's like I don't find the guy charming and then oh. Grant and, and Melissa were kind of like oh no we, we find him charming I don't know 
I I'm with Adam. I really I don't get the old Owen Wilson charm. Oh really? I lo- I don't. I'm not saying I hate Owen Wilson, and I think he works I as think he's things. The best. Meet the Baron's charm is the best charm he has. Like when he plays like well, when that. He's like, like, heel, though, but he's like yeah. it's a hopa, Greg. <laughs> I whittled it. I whittled it at a no, beach one. Kind of a I whittled it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think he's. I think Aaron he's so... is Owen Wilson charming. He's not my scene. I'm no, sorry. not not charmed. Not charmed. Already? No. Yeah, I don't. Think uh, yeah, my either, favorite yeah. movie of his is Behind Enemy Lines, where he plays a military person. Yeah, so I I don't dislike him. I just don't find him. I don't like charm. Is charm not is I not what I think of. So charm is like Brad Pitt, Leo. They have charm. Right. When so they... me, you, and Adam are there. Grant, Melissa, Brendan. My, my favorite I, I Owen Wilson is Midnight's in Paris. And if you're going, if you're going to do a good reach on if he's charming, that would be where he would be charming. And I still kind of think he's kind of a. Derpy mess. Aaron, are you a uh, Wedding Crashers fan? Another good one. I That's am an saying. Isla Fisher fan. But not the movie. Yeah, who who I'm, isn't? Yeah. I'm not a big Wedding Crasher also, guy. Oh, thank you. Welcome. He's good in Zoolander. That's, that's so Charming is not he's the like word the for Eli Zoolander. He's the Eli of Hollywood. Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, LVP. Um, I... I was trying to like dig deep and try to come up with somebody different, but I think that you guys are both right. I think it's going to be Ben Affleck. Yeah. He's we, we do bounce around with this at Best Picture. He has a little bit. Maybe where he would have done better with the first teeth. <laughs> the, the baby teeth. Um, it. We always bounce around a little bit with, is he poorly written or is he a bad actor? And I think in this instance, it's both. he's a bad actor. It's both. He's okay. not. He, does, he doesn't oh, act. He does nothing. No, not in general. In this movie, he's a bad actor. I don't. I disagree. I, I don't I think just, he's a bad actor in real life. I, I don't. Either. Now in this, I he's bad. This movie, I, I think he's movie. poorly written. I, I, you know, it was like uh, Steve. You said he's like supposed to be this other character, and I was looking like, what did he do before this? And the answer is like not related. He had the bit part in Goodwill Hunting. And, you know, it's so funny, like, the cast of this movie, it's like someone just, like, looked at the Oscars in the early 90s and was like, oh, let's get him, him, and him. Let's get uh, the, uh, the the guy from Sling Blade. Uh, let's get... Uh, the, the guy the, from the, Green Mile. The two guys from Fargo. We need the guy from Pulp Fiction uh, and the guy... The guy from Green Mile? <laughs> Green Mile, Green Mile is, the, is the year later, but... Oh. Um, but, but he was cast in like, it already. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's oh. funny how that works. Brendan, LVP. I'm just... I'm so taken back by the fact that everyone's choosing Ben Affleck. He's annoyed. <laughs> I, I didn't pick him. I didn't pick no, him. Not up to Artie yet, but Brendan is so, Brendan's upset. So That's okay. I watched this. I, I watched this movie when I was younger, and honestly, I looked up to Ben Affleck in this movie. Well, he looks the part. Yeah, and he's, and he's, that's why Owen Wilson didn't get it. No, in, in a way, in a way too, he's he's a young Harry Stanford. He's he's cocky. He's he's self assured. I I think he is playing the role adequately. I, I don't think he's an LVP. Yeah. So okay, I'm going with the president of the United that's, States. that was my runner up. That was my runner up, Brendan. Great choice. There is an extreme lack of value there. I mean, he doesn't make any decisions. Hang he on. Can I chime in here for a second and just say who was the president of the United States? There you I, go. There you I Stanley guess Anderson. now I might need to change my LVP because I don't even remember who was cast. Just, a, just an old an old white guy in a silhouette in the back. Right. So I mean, I mean, speech. sounds accurate. Hmm? Can that be said that... Uh, the president really doesn't do shit. Actually, it might be well cast. That's, that's <laughs> someone wrote a speech for him. He gave it. Yeah. He strongly advises, and then other people make the decisions. Yes, yes. The only reason I backed <laughs> off of that, and, it, and I, Brendan, is I, that was almost my choice. Yikes. I do kind of like the speech montage. Like, I like what he's saying in the montage of what's going on. No. I kind of... 
It, no. I, I, the rewatch, I kind of got wrapped in with it a little bit. No, Spe- you're, you're saying no. Well, right. That adds to the, the theory that it's just a, it's a 160 or 190 minute um, trailer. Trailer. I mean, it's why, why are we doing this? Why, why is this happening? Again? It's got to give like, that oh, speech. It's part of the trailer. We know that every time the president gives a speech, every country in the world gives a shit, and they all listen, right? right. <laughs> and they all speak English. That's right. And the president just rules the whole world. I'm with you. That speech is good. It's good. It's, it, like, it had all the business. No, no, like most no. of this movie, it should have sucked. Stop. But it didn't. Maybe it was Diane good. Warren wrote it. A good fake president speech. You go independent. I know. Right. We know. Right. Well, that's well, that's part of why it's a great LVP is because it's, that president is right for recast. It's yeah. right for recast. But Maybe we'll get there. But it's also like the theory that Eric oh, we recast before, that they're just they're ripping off every good movie that happened in the nineties. I mean, they like Michael Bay literally wanted to pull from Independence Day and just. Give this big president speech. Well, we're, this we're kind moment. of in the heart of this genre now. Yeah. Disaster movie genre, right? Like it's For like, three oh, years, God. every movie is the world ending. They're like, hashtag too soon. <laughs> okay. Now they might. LVP, Artie, what do you got? Uh, my LVP is Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffith, That's... the guy with the dog at the beginning, the opening no. scene. Eddie Griffin. Griffin. Eddie Griffin. Eddie Griffin. He yeah, sucks. Andy Griffith, again, is an No, is I didn't an say Andy. I didn't say Andy. Eddie. I thought it was Eddie Griffith. Well, Eddie not, Griffin. Not his fault. I mean, that's just a poor role. That's fine. Yeah. Totally. Right. But they, that's another one where Michael Bay was like, you guys just just wing this scene. Like improv. We'll take the best one. Oh, yeah. And Eddie. he says things that don't make sense in the movie. Get him out of there. Yeah, they, He's, and I'm not going to give it to Mr. Cooper because Mr. Cooper's awesome. I agree. I like hanging He's with awesome. Mr. Cooper. I like hanging with Mr. Cooper. He's I awesome. like hanging with him. I never watched the show, but I want to hang with him. I'm hanging with him. Yeah. Uh, the Andy Griffith show always used to meant. Braves rain delays on TBS, Dude, so that's I know, why I, 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 I hate that. Okay, um, it, that's a great choice, already. Great choice, Brendan. We, we, that's there. There were options here, and we we found them. Participation award. Now this is hard because there's so much love to give in this. Throw a little love to a to an to one of the many wonderful insulary characters here. Uh, we'll go in reverse. We'll start with Artie this time. Billy Bob Thornton. The guy is fucking awesome. Uh, most of his lines. He personally adds a flair to the lines. Like yeah. the, 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 it, it's fantastic. the size of Texas, Mr. President. Like he's condescending he's to the president. You absolutely know, absolutely fantastic. I'm pissed off he's not in more movies. I want more of him in my life. Not to mention he has one of the best television season performances of all time in season one of Fargo, as the as the, oh, I haven't the, seen that. psycho assassin in that. It's. Uh, it's incredible. Grammy nominated, um, pos- I think Grammy winning performance. Emmy. Uh, sorry, Emmy winning performance in that. Yeah. Love me some Billy Bob Thornton. Love me some Billy Bob. Uh, Brendan, participation. We'll throw a little love to someone else in the cast. Yeah, I'm going with Bear. I mean, Bear is great. I mean, yeah. He's just, he's, uh, I think he's the best. I mean, he's he's got his comical moments. He's got his serious moments. Um, he's, he's my favorite. All Michael, his one-liners are great. Michael Clark Duncan's first role. First role in this one. He did some TV stuff. He did some things in there, but this no. is his this is his foray into films. This is his first feature film. Is that true? Yep, first so feature Green film. Mile is after this. Yeah, the the following year, the following Oscars, he's nominated for an Oscar the following oh, year. Yes. And he almost so he blew them away in auditions. Came to the set, was very intimidated by all the stars around him, and did not show the charisma that he showed. In in so Bruce Willis and Michael Bay both pulled him aside together, and they're like, "Listen, we cast you." Because of what you brought to the table, and you're not showing it, 
So if you want to stick around, we don't want to recast you. And he said the next day he, he came out and brought it and, and it shows come in the get, movie. Come get, what is it? Come get Papa Bear? Or, <laughs> come get Papa Bear. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's Papa similar Bear. to uh, the story in Green Mile. Tom Hanks had to help him a lot with his acting in that because the yeah. cast in that movie, he got on st- on set and he was like, this is like a lot. This is yeah. overwhelming. I'm the star. Like I'm with Tom Hanks and who's a Gary Sinise or someone. Uh, did, I forget. The, yeah, the cast is phenomenal. So but he credits Tom Hanks to a lot of his acting skills yeah. from his work on so Green Mile. You can't just run around oil rigs and jump on a table with a with leopard underwear on. Yeah, like, dance around, this? bro. Frank Darabont's yeah, a little serious, huh? Aaron, participation award. I'm gonna say Steve Buscemi, and I wish, wish, wish that Rock Hound had more lines aligned with what he was promised because mm. he had such potential with this movie, and they ended up like dumbing him down to the like skeezy guy that he generally is mm. cast as. You the know, they gave him a good end though. Like he he gets the girl that he wanted, I guess. The, stri- and, like, the was, stripper. What was her name to, again? Uh, Svetlana probably. Work out. Like no. if you look at all, if all this, all the pictures in the credits, like they're together. She seems to like him. I don't know. Uh, it's a stripper always, from the strip club. I always club. hope that that one worked out. You know? Is he able herself? to pay that debt back? Yes. They give him money for the. Are they? I guarantee you, the U.S. government gives him a lot of fucking money to come back. (laughs) They're not like, we'll repay your $100,000 loan. It's like, here's $30 million. Don't worry about life. He doesn't have to live in a South Korean basement hiding. No, No, we'll print money for you. No, yeah, I think it was taken care of. All right, so I mean, I I obviously would have wanted to go Billy Bob here. Billy Bob's one of my favorites. Uh, there, because some somehow, some way, there's going to be a Sling Blade Best Picture Cast episode. I don't know. We'll, We'll make that work somehow. But... I just for the for the with this cast this big and I have to sh- throw some love around a little bit. I gotta go, Will Patton, man. Those, that's just like those are the cutaways in this movie that just work so well. It's the only non Bruce Willis live Tyler stuff that really really hits home, and it just crushes. It adds so it, much. It, it adds so much to the movie, and it works so well. It it, it makes you think that you're in Apollo thirteen. For a second, just even for a second, you're there, and and yeah. So and Will Patton, man, just hell yeah. The guy's awesome. You know, and and that's what I love at the end of the movie. They they give him a good ending too, which is yes, kind of nice. And it had no business being as good as it was. It was so thin and like crappy. It could have been bad, but like like you said, when they cut to him standing outside, I feel everything he's feeling. Like he does a great job. And in the end of that movie, when his son is running towards him, yes, that that's what gets me the most. I think you don't have to even tell. You don't have to tell him who it's from. Just give him. Just give him this little toy. It's great. You can put it in an item. Steve, he's going straight to the fucking crafts table. (laughs) There's no chance. Steve, I don't want to think about that. (laughs) Come on, man. Get an epiphany up there in space. Yeah, he's a changed man now. Yeah, I hope so. I hope or he has enough money to just play craps forever and never worry about it. <laughs> and why would you play craps in that? All right. Space money is great. The adrenaline. <laughs> Who? Space money. So space ever- cash. Hi, <laughs> 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 X McGee. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, baby, I'm sorry. baby face right. McGee's act. <laughs> baby, baby face McGee's act. Sorry, Steve. I don't know what the fuck you're talking South about. Park, <laughs> Moving, uh, moving, moving along. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, everyone's taken somebody, so obviously I'm going to switch it up too. So who do you think had the harder role to play? Uh, Lev or uh, General Kimsey? Who's played by who? So you got Keith David. General Kimsey's played by who? 
Keith David. Oh, oh. Keith David. Yeah, yeah. And then Lev is um, played by uh, Peter's. I can't read my handwriting. Stromers or the. Uh, I Lev Tyler. No, I did too. Actually. Lev. I'm sorry. The, his, Lev. Lev is Lev, Lev is the Russian, Strong, the Russian. The Russian. Yeah. 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 yeah so gotcha. what actor had the harder role? Lev. Lev. So that's why I'm going with Lev because I think I love both. Yeah, yeah I thought great. he crushed it. I also really loved Keith David. Like God, he was my he. Was, I he's almost picked just him. I so him, awesome. I wouldn't give him a yeah. potato gun. Yeah, it. he's a fucking scene stealer. <laughs> the president's uh, advisor told us we're gonna do this, so we're gonna do it. Oh damn it! God, <laughs> he's like a. Uh, he has those angry eyebrows. Those angry eyebrows. He's like he can't. I can't act. He's like a, it could be blah blah blah. He's like it could be fucking Santa Claus for all I know. Until I know what it is, we're going to DefCon three. Oh, okay. so, so like I want to flip Steve's question though. It's like, okay, what's the harder role, but. As an actor, which is the role you'd rather play? Like the hard-ass guy at the table who's dissenting everyone or the or the wacky Russian in space? I mean, well, most actors are going to pick the wacky actor in space. This is not the gas station. That guy's a main <laughs> character. He was awesome. He's a main character. It's not the gas Don't touch my uncle. Like it, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, the, he, they, they entered this world this guy's lived in, and yeah. I feel it. It really works. The, yeah, the, it that's does. my scene of the movie, the Russian space He's station. American. It really is. That's my scene of the movie. Now we can go home. Russian components, American components, all made in Taiwan. Very important man in Russia. It's not the gas station. Meanwhile, we just saw Taiwan get destroyed. <laughs> Artie just gave his scene of the movie. Steve, scene of the movie. My scene of the movie was actually the, the finding them. When they all scatter, finding all the drillers. Yeah. When they all scatter. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah. Just awesome. Yeah, I, I, I gotta, I, I, man, it's it's that. I'll, I'll do the other side of it. Is the is the recruitment scene of the letting you know we gotta rally them all together. You know, like that's just when I think of Armageddon, I always I always think of that. Right there. I mean, Jesus, the emotional scenes at the end are pretty good too. But Aaron, yeah. so this movie's good. <laughs> You guys are gonna take mine. Um, I would actually probably go with the recruitment scene, specifically Papa Bear. <laughs> yep, fantastic! Bur- bursting through like the roadblock with Come his motorcycle. Get, woo! Come and get Papa Bear. <laughs> Brendan, see in the movie. So I don't think this is off character for me. I'm going with the more emotional scene. Um, scene where Bruce Willis says, "You know, I'm gonna have to break a promise to you." Uh, ah, God, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not gonna be coming on. Gut wrenching. Um, honestly, the best scene in the movie. I yeah. mean, it it, yeah. it makes it, whatever whatever bad thing you have to say about that movie that that makes you cry. Yeah. You you love the movie, you hate the movie. Um, it's emotional, and it um, it really is a great closeout to the movie, and it, and a strong strong finish by Bruce Willis. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay, uh, let's go to. Time Machine Recast. Boy, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of ways you can go here. Take anyone, any time, any time period. Recast them into this movie. Artie, are you jumping at the bit over there? It looks like oh, no. Whatever, go to other people. I don't care. I'll go, I'll go first because um, I have... I think I'm going to have an unpopular one because I'm, I'm going to take uh, William Fickner out of this movie. I know we all love him. He's gotten a lot of positive reviews here today. Um, He's the... I request the permission to shake the hand. Yeah. He's... Yeah. I'm I'm pulling William Fickner out. We just got done with our Terminator coverage, and I, I need to give some more love and some more blockbuster action to my dude, uh, Michael Bean, in that role. I think you know we, Is that we T-1000? love one thousand. Uh, no, he's uh, Reese from Terminator One. Got it. And Aliens. He's the in, in Aliens. Uh, I'm just 
I, I want him in one of these more blockbuster roles in a 90s situation. And I think he looks that part. He could go both ways into the, is he the heel? Is he the, is he the face? What's he doing? And then I think he'd crush that line in the end too with the, you know. Um, request. Yeah. So like William Fickner, I appreciate him, but give me Michael Bean in the, in, in the middle of this one here. So I recast the president. Okay. I knew that he'd come up at some, at some point. With Brian Cox. <laughs> Oh, wow. That is amazing, Artie. I love it. He's got to do a real stiff American accent. He's got to do a little better than he did in 25th Hour, but uh, that's good. That's really good. Yeah. Love it. Brian Cox. Perfect. Steve? Um, I thought about it on the ride over here because I actually forgot this one. Um, so I would, if I had to, if it was like being cast today, I would throw in Bob Odenkirk. For Rockhound. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. He's funny. Take a Buscemi out, though. Yeah. Yeah. If it was today. If it was today. If it was today. today. All right. All right. All right. All right. I can see that. I can see that. Brendan. I traveled through the vast spaces of time, and I put the time machine aside. All I want to do is is recast Owen Wilson's character with a contemporary. Okay. And I'm putting Matt Damon there so we can have a Ben Affleck, Matt Damon. Oh, I like it. I love that. That works. That works. Now we're really dipping in the 90s Oscars. We we got both of the guys in there. That's good. That's good. Let's send Ben and Matt to space. (laughs) Aaron. I'm honestly so jealous of Brendan. (laughs) That is a good one. I'm mad at myself. I would actually, I love her. I think that she's perfect as, as Grace. Uh, but I think that I would recast Grace as Emma Watson. Ooh, okay. With an American accent. But you lose all that Aerosmith mm-hmm. dynamic lose you had it, there. You lose it all. You, I like how you brought like Steven Tyler as a character mm-hmm. into the movie, like the emotionality of him being reunited with his daughter. I'm like, oh, I didn't think about any of that. There's an extra layer to American yeah. <laughs> and again. That was pretty good. But you know, but you recast it out. And that's I okay. thought about it. I was like, you know what? She doesn't need to be so perfect. She's like living on this oil rig. I feel like she could be a little rough around the edges. Still really smart and cool. Yeah, a little, a little Hermione Granger in the. Uh, Emma Watson's seas. pretty perfect. I mean, I love her. Yeah. Oh, that's 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 great. Okay. They're gonna um, put Isla Fisher into this movie. I do Isla love Fisher. Isla Fisher. Too, Isla, yeah. Fi- Isla, not Isla. This is one we can do pretty quickly here. Uh, we're gonna end. I want to end with cutting room floor because that's this is right for that. But uh, Oscar revaluation, real quick. It was up for four. If you could only give it one, what would it be? And you know, I'm gonna merge the sound ones because that's what they've done today. So it's three. You give three choices: best sound, best visual effects, best original song. Diane Warren. I don't miss a thing. I'm on record already. I think it's a crying shame that it did not win for best song. I would go with best song. Um, so you can pick sound. Visual effects or song? What would you go with, Steve? Well, Saving Private Ryan won for sound, so absolutely not. So song. <laughs> song. Yeah, this was not going to win sound. or uh, Now, visual effects. I feel like this might be an arty movie. I've not seen this movie, yeah, but you it. let me know. What Dreams May Come with uh, Robin Williams? Yeah, I've oh. seen it. Visual of one for visual effects. So I actually sent the text out about a year ago, or maybe about three years ago. Um, have, have, anyone remember this movie? Let me search my phone. Already promptly responded, "Don't waste your time." Oh wow, he's got a. But that's not what you. You didn't ask me if it was good. Artifacts. Yeah. You didn't ask me if it was good. 
You uh, asked me about the visual effects. Okay, now now I'm asking you both. So go, go. All right. The visual effects are very good in that movie. Okay. The story sucks. Mm-hmm. Armageddon's visual effects are better. I would still give the Oscar to Diane Warren. Okay. She, Diane Warren's getting an, uh, an Oscar. And notice I'm not, not saying I'm giving stupid. I'm not giving the Oscar to Aerosmith. I'm giving it to Diane Warren. Right. But this wonderful epic song by Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston from the Prince of Egypt that no one remembers and no one cares about. It doesn't you don't want to give it to them still. Will Aerosmith would Aerosmith be be mentioned in that? They if, performed if, it at the awards. Fine, but like, no, do they get an stage. Oscar? They don't go on stage. They do not get an Oscar. Unless she invited them up. Diane Warren. <laughs> I love so it. Happy. You guys good with the, yeah, the song? Or Aaron, do you want to go visual effects or do I, you want to go sound? I say the song, personally. No song. I'm going all visual effects. Visual effects, it's yeah. Why? It's like, this you should... could be blowing stuff up in like a little diorama in, and it would have the same effect. In 1998. Let me time. like put in some little cherry bombs. And you have this things. asteroid, which I, I, I get what you're saying. It doesn't have an atmosphere to it, but in this, in this story it did. So there were, there were sparkles around the, uh, the asteroid. Sparkles. We're flying okay. on an asteroid. We got spaceships launching off, visual effects, all about it. That's what's going on in this movie. I think that that should be the one. All right. The Paris um, bomb was good. I liked all the asteroids hitting the Earth. I thought they were yeah. good. I'm, I'm Not bomb. The visual effects I'm were good. on the asteroid. Like, I, I felt like I was on that asteroid. All right. Last thing we talk about here is the cutting room floor. If you could, this movie's two and a half hours. This movie's too long. Let's be completely honest here. I, I'm sorry. It's too long. It, this should not be two and a half hours. I get it, 90s theme. Cut a scene or scenes from this movie. Make this thing shorter. What goes? Uh, this is our last stop at the at the gates here before we say our closing thoughts. Uh, does anyone want to hop into this with scene or scenes that they would cut from this yeah. thing? Artie. Animal cracker scene. Oh, you just get the get that out of there. Get that out of there. Yeah, but what did you cut? You cut about 10 seconds. <laughs> Fine. That's for the sake of the conversation. But you I'm fine with the movie being two and a half hours. I don't agree with Karen. You want to cut this thing. So I guess I'm going to jump in now. Yeah. You want to cut this thing down like significantly. Um, we're going the scene that you brought up before, which is the the analysis of their mental mental capacity. Yeah, that's that, that that's was on about, my list. That was about 10 to 15 minutes. We can knock that out. Now we're down to two and two hours and 15 minutes. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that. Long. I don't think it's 15 minutes. But long. that was but a funny like scene. Yeah, I don't know. I'm with Brenda, but the, here, this is one I really want to go here is we're going to go up. We're going to go. We don't need to see them training in the in the bottom of the pool here. Like, oh. come on with this. That was but, NASA, I agree with you. Though, they, that was the special. I know. That was the special on. thing that they got I just don't. permission to use. They totally to, agree with you. Totally agree. Enough. This we have so much going this on in this movie. Why do we need this? Yeah, the, only point, the only point of it is to show that AJ doesn't always listen to Bruce Willis. Important development of AJ's character, which, by the way, I'm a big, big Ben Affleck right. fan. But, but, none of you are. But that's already been developed with Brent the oil rig in the opening scene. We don't fan. need to revisit this. I also didn't need the extra tension in the gas station scene. I know you wanted to develop the relationship between the Russian and AJ. Great, you know my LVP has now been tight with the Russian. Great. Um, I there's there's too many like potholes in this thing too many like oh now this is going on like we all know the worst is going to be saved at the end like do we need non-stop Michael Bay tension every step of the way yes. and the training montages we, there's just too much of it there's too much of it I don't know. Steve uh, what, what are you cutting from this movie 
Well, I had animal crackers right on the tip of my tongue. Um, <laughs> it's only ten seconds. I would uh, I would so cut bad, everything with AJ Frost. You would cut the love, the love. Uh, the no, no, just Ben Affleck. Oh, he's, just cut oh, he's out. Totally out. <laughs> now, now, if we put Matt Damon in the movie, you wouldn't say. What that. if you subbed out? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I would cut out all the all the the, the stuff, love. the love stuff, and the animal crackers and everything. I would just write it better. I, I think that the animal cracker scene. I wouldn't say <laughs> you can cut the animal crackers, but write the scene better. Have some have some some yeah. some actual romance. In there. That's is, not romance. What a statement. Uh, we're going to head south or north to the teddies or. Like what? Like that was what, terrible. Like, what? What? What a, what a line, though, by you. I would write it better. Like, oh, <laughs> all right, fat ass sitting at home criticizing the movie that made five hundred million dollars. Like, what are we? What business doing? I would have written it better. Oh, really? I would have thrown a curveball there. Well, he would have swung and missed. But, not at all. Over. It's like, come on. Honestly, honestly, though, on point with that. I mean, I mean, another Michael Bay movie, Pearl Harbor. I, I always thought that Ben Affleck's romance scenes were off. I mean, they they weren't. Yeah, they're. Well, that movie sucks. Weak. Like that it's movie. Another Michael Bay movie. Yeah, it's that's. I, I can't believe he says Armageddon's is worse because he put full effort into that. Well, that I, movie I, sucks. I, I bit my lip before. I'm like, has he seen the second half to his filmography? Like, well, Transformers Six is a good one. Yeah, that's like oh, a. Is that, is, that, is that like the uh, the dark side of the moon where the Revenge of the Fallen? I love Transformers, the first. Transformers <laughs> Me too. With Me too. I like the first. And Megan Fox. Aaron and Aaron and Artie are going to start the really really worst. Picture cast where they talk about the Transformers movie. I so. like the first episode oh, we, of the TV series one? Transformers where they they were on a different planet. They were on the Transformers. All right. Well, the cartoon Cybertron. Transformers was good, but not was the great. movies. Not the Michael Bay movies. Aaron, what would you cut from this movie? Um, I would cut out the entire ink blot like Rorschach yeah. chat test, and then I would also cut out the weird whole scene when they're hanging out in the hangar in the exhaust pipe of a spaceship. So you're kind of with Steve too. Just weird. Romance scene. Yeah, That's what I cut. It's weird. It's weird. Yeah. Animal crackers. Yeah. Okay. They basically <laughs> did to Steve Buscemi in real life what they did to Ben Affleck in Shakespeare in Love. They're like, yeah, you're going to be in it. They're like, what's it called? He's like, Mercutio. He's like, oh, cool, I'm in. Like, Ben Affleck, he's like, what is it? He's like, you're going to save the world. He's like, oh, great. He's like, oh, I'm one of eight guys saving the world? Well, this is different. Oh, and you're going to write in CD lines for me? Oh, and Ben's here again. Great. Hi, Mercutio. But you get to save the world. You know, I say three times I didn't know her age, Harry. All right. Guys, we did this. This is, oh, boy, what a journey. That's it? We don't need more? Brendan, best picture, 1998. You giving it to Life is Beautiful? You giving it to Saving Private Ryan? Or you giving it to Shakespeare in Love? We're not giving it to Armageddon. <laughs> no, not not up. I still got Shakespeare in Love. Love it, and we're going to revisit that on the Return to Shakespeare in Love episode eventually. We have Return to Rain Man coming up with uh, Adam Hitchcock. We have Return to Crash coming up with. Adam St. John, and then we'll get to uh, return to Shakespeare in Love with Zeta Short. There's, I don't know. These might come out in like 2026, but we'll and, and I'll just mention to all the people who had Ben Affleck as the LVP, he might have been studying his role for Shakespeare in Love. He could have. Mercutio. Same year. Same year. So. True. Uh, closing thoughts on Armageddon, Brendan. Uh, love it. Always go back to it. Crash Course and Crash Course. I, I love that it inspired you to... Pass your bar exam. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> That's just incredible. You know, you know when you're when you're focused on the intellectual, sometimes you just need that that um, crash bang to just build you up, 
tomorrow, let's do this. Thank God you didn't watch Chariots of Fire because that may inspire you to race, but it's not going to inspire you to study for tests. It's going to put you to sleep. Erin, better movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, I wouldn't say that. No, I would uh, not say. You seem to be having fun when Artie was reading the script. And I mean, stories. I do think that it's a, it's a, it's a very funny concept. But no, I don't think that Arnold Schwarzenegger would have made a better. Oh, bummer. But uh, closing thoughts. Not my favorite. I think that there are a lot of parts that could have been completely left out. I think that Bruce Willis is a god among men. And Hell yes. I think that. Everything with him should be honored. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Artie, closing thoughts. No peach allergies today. <clears throat> no. Yes. I love this movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's just got ultimate rewatchability. It's one of those 90s classics. It, it, and I know it's one of those like, oh, well, every movie that the world ends has a shot of the city and blah, blah, blah. And this was one of the first up there with independence day is one of the first so it, it kind of started that yeah it's right in the center of that little mini genre and i love michael bay <laughs> i hope we don't go back to a michael bay movie anytime soon i'll say this because we when we do these like and even the good ones there's sometimes where we're like we, we deep dive we invest and then i'm like ah, i'm good on this movie for a year like if it comes on i'm, I'm turning my tv off i'm going to read a book i just came on tomorrow <laughs> Fuck it. I'd watch it. I, I would. I might, I would. I'm going to go home and watch it. Buscemi's <laughs> in the strip club handing out his $100,000. I'm in. Let's go. Uh, oh, oh, here come the bikers. Um, Steve, your, your movie, congrats on the win. The two wins. You, uh, Me and Brendan still have zero. You've surpassed Artie with his one. Action Steve. Aaron, so we're all still Steve, looking. Baby. Action Scuba Steve. Steve. Yeah. Closing um, thoughts here. Yeah, I agree with Artie. Uh, rewatchable classic. You know, lately I've just been missing... You know those old school popcorn flicks? I saw John Wick 4 in theaters, and there was just two of us in the movie theater. And it's just, I miss those packed days and Armageddon and Independence Day. And even like, I don't know, Scream just jumped into my head for some reason. Like being in a packed theater with a bunch of people and big bombs exploding and asteroids hitting things and crazy stuff happening, it's missed. And uh, that's why I like rewatching this. Was your grandfather fired up about the movie at the end? Was it what was what were his thoughts? Do you remember? I don't remember. Yeah. And I don't. He he was pretty. Uh, he wasn't ecstatic about it. He wasn't. Uh, no. no, he was a, a vet. So yeah, he's, yeah. You know. I think it was more just bringing me for uh, yeah, get me out of the house for a bit. But uh, very cool. Loved it. Very well put, you, Steve. You know what yeah, my awesome. last packed movie great experience was? It's wild to say. Snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. Snakes on a plane. I mean, That's people, great. People that the place is overcrowded. People. You're were, talking about the movie, not a plane that actually had snakes. No, on it, right? no, I'm okay. talking about the movie theater. Mm. The movie theater was. Were packed. you at Shore Eight, Huntington? Yeah, in Huntington. Yeah. The place was packed. People were interacting with the movie as if the movie could talk back. It, it cool. Was, it was the best experience ever, and that was the last great movie experience I think. Wow. I've had it of a packed movie theater. All right. Well. Aaron, Brendan, Artie, Steve. Kieran. This was a great journey. I enjoyed uh, drilling into this movie with you guys. Out there, if you're listening still, we love you. Please rate, review, follow us on all the socials. We're going to have another one of these tournaments at the end of the summer. It's the Sub-50 tournament, our first ever endeavor into this. And I'll make a little announcement now on the parameter. So the people who waited this long to listen... 
the uh, co-hosts are actually you know listening to the podcast, they'll get a little bonus. So Grant, um, yeah, well, Grant and Joey, of course, yeah, but Bobcat's probably not hearing this. Nice, Chris. Um, sub fifty is going to be a big one this year. It just has to be under fifty percent. Under either one, this movie would have qualified for the sub fifty because it is thirty three percent in uh, critic, I believe, in the silence. So we're going to pick one that's fifty under audience, one that's fifty under critic. And then one legacy one, which is a movie that's been in the tournament before. So those are the parameters. So it can be 99 in critic and under 50 in audience. Or 99 in audience and under 50 either way. Thank you for listening. Appreciate you out there. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram if you want to vote for these things. Uh, that'll be at the end of the summer, the Sub-50 tournament. Our fourth one, if you can believe it or not. It's, it's uh, been a wild run. So the one thing I'll ask you is... Um, Hey, find uh, someone out there who likes movies and just give this to them. You don't have to tell them who it's from. You don't have to tell them it's from. Just give them this this podcast and have them listen to it. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much. That's not a podcast. That's your father. That's popcorn, baby.